Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SJH Man Cave. I'm your host, Samori Sykes. With me is Hudson Meadows and Jason Johnson. The show is about three black men who are all married to black women raising black children in Chicago or the Chicagoland area, and our thoughts and perspectives on the things that are happening out in the world today. And I don't want to waste any time. Let's just jump right into it, fellas. Uh, Pick one. Pick one. Starting with uh, the the obvious one, Chadwick Boseman, which hit me like a ton of bricks. And I know that both of you all felt the same way. I actually remember when the picture came out about a month ago where, or maybe it might have been a couple of months ago, where he looked really sick and really thin. And I was definitely one of those people who did not even consider the possibility that the brother was actually dying. You know, so I was thinking jokes or man, the brother's losing his mind already. He just got famous. I, I was not at all thinking we better cherish every moment that we have left with this brother because he's on his way out. But apparently that is the reality of the situation and what an incredible legacy this brother left behind from uh, Black Panther to Jackie Robinson to Thurgood Marshall to even just the interviews and the speeches that he's had just showing how much warmth this brother had for the Black community. I feel like this is a huge loss. Um, what about you all? What were your thoughts when you first got the news? Uh, I, I was, was that at work? I think I was at work when I caught that. But, uh, I just happened to be messing around on Facebook because, you know, I'm supposed to be working, but, you know, nobody actually works. <laughs> I was messing around on Facebook and it, it popped into my, uh, you know, my feed. And I ended up like walking out the room and I had to call my wife because my wife is my confirmation on all my news. And I said, baby, did Chadwick Boseman die? She said, what? And she jumped on her phone. And they said, you know, she was almost in tears. I said, oh, Lord, they didn't. And messed around, let Black Panther die. This, this ain't right. That's not cool. Yeah, it was. It was, it was no. I like when you were talking about like when he was just looking like he was small or something. I assumed the brother was just getting ready for another role. I'm like, I figuring like when who is he getting ready to play next? Like I like you know how actors do that. They, 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 he seemed like the type of actor that would do that. Like he would kind of like you know end up changing body styles and stuff like that. He had to do for Black Panther and all these other ones. So, like, I, I never really paid any attention. I'm like, oh, he must be about to play another one of these one of these crazy roles and wonder why he got to be a skinny dude. But I, I found it upsetting just because I, I – well, I'm not even going to say it's upsetting. I, I, found, I found it, at least the fact that finding out that he had this – that he had this disease through all his movies and all this work he was doing, like, just to be able to – take that on and continue to just, you know what I'm saying, deal with his own process and live his life the way he was while still going through the medical condition and dealing with doctors and surgeries and all that other stuff. I, 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 all that did was just make him an even bigger icon, quite honestly. I, 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 I don't even see that. I don't even see that in myself to continue living your best life and when I even know you sick. Like I, I, I think that was the hardest thing. But I'm glad that he had his family and the people around him, surrounding him to support him and to keep him pushing and doing what he did. And I think he just left an awesome mark on people. I, I think he left an impression with people that should last a lifetime. 
I think he should be talked about. If your kids didn't know who he was, you should talk to your kids about what kind of person he was. I mean, he's got a huge portfolio. I mean, it, I it was tough to believe. I mean, I when I saw the pictures that uh, that you were talking about, Samori. I mean, basically, you know, yeah, there there was some jokes, but there was also, you know, you never know what you're doing to to get a role or to or to do another movie. So I kind of thought maybe he's dropping weight for for something else that some other project he's doing. Um, but I I never thought in my mind that he had cancer and. And for them to keep that quiet, I mean, you know, that was I, I uh, just to have that kind of a circle that kept that whole thing quiet. I mean, I, that is remarkable. That is remarkable. That I I can't believe that they were able to keep that tight lid like they did for all that time. And um, I, I mean, TMZ is everywhere, and, and for them not to get a piece of that. <laughs> figure that out and put that out there uh, it's unbelievable to me um but uh, yeah man i you know i gotta think with all that work he put in he did it uh just because he knew like it like when i watched that special that came on abc uh uh the other night and and the way he talked uh, the the way he gave that commencement speech at Howard, I mean, you could tell he it was of great importance to him that you see black people in cinema, that you see black people in the media, and that you see our faces out there. It was it was very important to him, and I thank him for that. We just don't have enough good representation out there. We don't have enough representation out there. Period. And so for him to do that amidst everything he was already going through, you know, I, I can't say anything but hats off. Uh, thank you. And, you know, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him. And this age of clout chasing and people doing anything that they can to become famous and screwing over everyone around them for just a little bit of fame to see a situation like this where anybody could have spilled the beans that he was sick and gotten a huge amount of press about it for there to be no leaks whatsoever for everybody it seems like to be blindsided by what occurred it's really a testament to you know not only his inner circle but the effect he must have had on his inner circle how much love and respect that they had for him where they said there's no way we can betray this type of man there's no way we could release his secrets that is in this day and age that is saying a whole lot um one of the saddest aspects of this story is that you have a lot of kids who saw black panther and looked at chadwick as a personal hero of theirs you know and someone they look forward to seeing in more projects so i'm wondering have have either of you had to have that type of conversation with your kids, letting them know, hey, you went and saw this person and now he's no longer here. And also, um, did you have any personal heroes outside of your outside of your family when you were growing up? It didn't really come up. You know, honestly, we haven't really covered death. We didn't think that a best time to try to cover that because we would have had to cover the whole spectrum. And we didn't think that was the best time to, to try to do that. 
you know, but uh, as far as heroes growing up, you know, I was a big wrestling fan. So, you know, I grew up watching Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Dog and, and uh, Hillbilly Jim and, and all those, uh, all those wrestlers. So, you know, my, now my personal heroes out of them were two of them, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and and uh and sting and sting. and the reason <laughs> yes look. sting was a hero was sting. this look. was this makeup pro makeup sting or <laughs> not pro makeup sting. sting this was this was back in the day early sting and and the reason is is because i loved rick flair but i hated him too because he seemed to could never lose and the only people that seemed to could beat him was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Sting. And those two became my heroes because they could they it looked like they could beat somebody who could never really be beaten. So so those were the two that were my heroes growing up. <laughs> wow. What about you, Jason? I uh when it comes to the conversation having with uh with kids and stuff. Like my daughter, she she liked the movie and everything, but like my wife and my son, like they watched that movie like over and over again as soon as they was able to. When they jumped on Netflix and what I think every time I came home from work at night, Black Panther was on. So my son, I think he was Black Panther for Halloween last year. What was the year before? One of them years in where he was Black Panther. Anyway, like he liked the show and stuff, but I I don't think he's at that age where He's really noticing anything like death and like like he, he, his superhero is literally that like basically when he watched Black Panthers like looking at a cartoon and stuff on TV and stuff so I don't think he was looking at it as deeply but uh, I think it'll be an awesome conversation to have with him in the future and whatnot when it comes to people and integrity and how people deal with adversity and everything else like that and it, I think he'll be an awesome role model at some point in time even him even in his death, I think just being able to talk about somebody like him will be awesome to have a conversation with my son about in the future. Uh, when it comes to personal uh, heroes, uh, I grew up in the 80s, so I all my heroes was cartoons, Jack, like G.I. Joe and <laughs> and Transformers, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know about nobody else. I, 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 my father took me to the movies to see Transformers the movie. And when Optimus Prime died, I'm sorry. I was in the theater crying. My <laughs> hero died. My hero died with Train. When, when Optimus Prime turned gray and his head tipped, it was a wrap for me, Jack. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Optimus Prime was like big time hero. Like he was dude. Even, even the song they threw on him in the, you got the touch? Man, please. When he blew up and whatnot, when Sky High started blasting, casting whatnot out the sky, I was out of my seat. Like, I ain't never seen Prime this live before. So, yeah. Like, just the stuff and whatnot. Like, oh, even just, it being just a cartoon, just, just what, like, what, what, his, what he stands for and the, the things that he fought for. That's stuff that you can emulate, man, to, to be strong for other people, to fight and whatnot when you know things are wrong. And even when odds are against you and when you feel like you're doing wrong sometimes, he's a monument of just like, you know, hey, Stick to your conventions and 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 keep pressing forward and keep fighting for what you believe in. You know what I mean? That's the, having having the strength of the character and whatnot to be like that in a world like this. I mean, shoot, anybody that can do that is a hero to me. 
Yeah, for me, with Simone only being two, you know, we haven't had that opportunity yet for her to really sit down and watch Black Panther and understand it. We've tried to put a lot of images in front of her to make sure that she has an appreciation for herself and her own beauty. So she reads books with images of Michelle Obama and Serena Williams and just getting used to seeing Black women in positions of power. Um, so that hopefully that's what she'll aspire to as well. So uh, this news hasn't, uh, of course, really impacted her. But like you said, Jason, I'm looking forward to um, the day when she's older and I can sit down with her and tell her about Chadwick Boseman's life and the, the things he decided to do. And I hope she's as inspired by that story as I have been. Um, for me personally, you know, out, outside of my family, the, the hero I probably looked up to the most was Malcolm X. My father, he, we didn't watch very much television. Uh, we didn't have much access necessarily to the outside world, but he made sure that when Spike Lee made that Malcolm X movie that all of his sons watched it and that we all knew who Malcolm X was. And so that, that was probably the first figure that I looked at outside of my family as someone who I could aspire to be like. In fact, not only did he have us watch the movie, he also had all of us read his autobiography to <laughs> make sure we knew as much about Malcolm X as possible. But um, definitely Chadwick Boseman leaves behind an incredible legacy. His life had already had a major impact on the Black community, and I think the, his death has only solidified that even further and ensured he's a person who's never, never going to be forgotten. I think we need to address something here. And mm -hmm. it, because, you know, I mean, you know, I, obviously a lot of people were shocked and, and I think there was someone else that was pretty shocked. And, and I think they said something that possibly they didn't mean to say. Um, Omari Hardwick, is that his? <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, I, I can't say that, I, you know, I was shocked too. <laughs> And sometimes when you're shot, the best thing is to wait a little while before you say anything. You know, may maybe you maybe you just saw to keep quiet for a minute. Um, Some cats should just shut up. Yeah, sometimes people just might maybe shouldn't Don't say, say anything. Don't say nothing um, at all. <laughs> but 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 what did he say? He he, he said that he was um, Chadwick Chadwick's um, biggest competitor. <laughs> and. <laughs> And uh, I, I, you know, I was a little floored when I read that. <laughs> you know, and I looked at several different sources to really see if he said it. It's like, no, this can't be true. This can't be true. You know, he he said that he was he was being considered for a lot of the roles that Chadwick got. And I always wondered why is it. That, then that he never got any of those roles. Like, <laughs> it doesn't look like he got a single one of them. <laughs> so, Are you really competition? Are you? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, you know, do you know, look, when I used to sell cars, right, when you were talking to a customer and you figured you kind of knew what the customer wanted, 
you showed them a car that you knew they wanted, and then you showed them the complete opposite car that you knew that they didn't want so that they would go ahead and pit the car that you knew they wanted. And the only reason I could think Omari Hartwick would be in on those same auditions is that they really want them to choose Chadwick. And so they would have Omari there. It's <laughs> like, look, I know you ain't going to want him. So it's just wow. opposite. I mean, it's really the only thing I could think of. I, I just don't know why somebody, look, to, in all seriousness, why would somebody take that moment to, to make it about themselves when, Read the when a room. lot of people are, are saddened by this news? Like, why would he do that? Well, you got to think, man. Like he, he was grieving, too. He just got shot and pushed off a banister on his own show. <laughs> so, you know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like they they did a whole like six episode thing of who shot him, so you know he was grieving. You know what I'm saying? Like he still might be grieving, and you know what you say? Like grief make you do things that you don't necessarily do, or whatnot, or you don't necessarily want to say. And I think the fact that that bullet that he took to the chest and that fall off that balcony, you know, he probably you know got him a little concussion or something to go along with it after he died. You know, I. Uh, but the man got to say something to still be relevant. I mean, the worst kid on the show messed around and got a spinoff. <laughs> and, you know like, like, that kid is terrible on that show. I, I don't like him at all. <laughs> and now he's the star of his own show. And, and I, I forget, what, ain't the name of the new stuff, like uh, uh, Book Two Ghosts or something? Like, you still yes. ain't using his name. Yes. <laughs> he ain't yes. even in it. You still got his name, but he ain't mm -hmm. even in it. And you know he, they gonna pop up with some old memories or something like that, or it's gonna mm -hmm. be some flashbacks and some uh, some cutscenes that they left on the floor, and they didn't mm -hmm. even bother to bring it back for them cutscenes. <laughs> they just gonna use the cutscenes <laughs> that they edited from the original show. <laughs> so man, the boy, you know, he grieving. You know, he, he had to work right now. He need to say he got to stay relevant. I so. I don't understand why the brother hasn't been able to get work. To be frank with you, I love Power and I and I love what he what he has done uh, with his career. But this recent stuff, that recent comment regarding Chadwick Boseman, this ain't it, bro. This ain't it. This is a bad look for you. And all news ain't good news. I understand you need to get back in the spotlight, but he needs to apologize and walk all this nonsense back and just say rest in peace. To my brother Chad with y'all, <laughs> right? And let's all let's all just move on. <laughs> let's all just move on. I don't know why he would on. do something like that. Why? Why would he even? Don't know why he would even speak. Don't he have a PR person? I mean, he should have ran not. that by him and said, you know, I I really want to say something. <laughs> and if you're the PR person, you know who your client is. So so you're like, no, I just don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> so now I gotta think. He said, no, nah, screw that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm speak because <laughs> that's my best friend, and I need to talk. Yeah, I need mm -hmm. to say something about it, and that that must be what happened. And and that came out, man. I'm I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he just didn't have the right words for it to express his grief, you mm -hmm. know, but it's really hard for me to make that case because he just kind of kept going with it. So, yeah, it's out there. In the, it's out there now. It's on the internet. It's going to last forever, player. 
Hey, there ain't no rolling back. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. You might as well roll that back like you say, like you called up uh, uh, Jake Blake's uh, pastor and, you know, it's getting all dark. It's a wrap. It's out there. You you stupid. That's dumb. That was just dumb. You shouldn't have did it. Folks will forgive him sooner or later, as long as he don't do nothing else stupid. For he he got to go, he yeah, gotta go sit still. He better go work at, like, for the garbage company or something to collect some trash. <laughs> don't be trying to get on TV no time soon. <laughs> that shit going to last. You can I wait mean, till I next year. That, like Samori said, I, I like the stuff he's been in. I mean, I mean, he's cool with me. I, I just ain't like that. You like, won't watch yeah. nothing new he gonna be in. Nah, I bet you. I bet you that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, love all, you love all his old stuff, sure. But now I dare I dare him to be in something now. <laughs> you spit at your TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> man, nah, man, nah, man. we not we not gonna cancel our brother. All right. We not gonna cancel our brother. We gonna give him an opportunity. To make up Ooh. for this to get back. Oh, I track. forgot all about the whole cancel culture. Ooh. I didn't <laughs> yeah, say but... nothing too stupid. Like, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. You better be careful, Jack. Yeah, they'd they, be they... ready to push the button on the cancel. I'll cancel, nigga. It's yeah, they're not, they're not being very merciful towards him on Instagram, but he's going to be all right. He's going to oh, be man. all right. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the next topic. I wanted to circle back to the uh, boycotts that were happening in the NBA um, because I found it fascinating that, you know, these teams and these players, they came together and they decided something more important than basketball was happening right now. That clearly uh, there's a lot of police officers that still don't get it despite all the protests, despite all the, the, the anger and despite the black community making it very, very clear how we feel about these shootings they still continue to happen. And these NBA players dare to say, maybe we shouldn't be playing basketball right now. Maybe we should just shut this thing on down and focus on what's happening in the communities. They had a meeting about the situation and none other than Barack Obama, who they actually, I guess LeBron and Chris Paul asked to be a part of the conversation to help them figure out what, what to do Barack Obama apparently strongly advocated that they go back and play and that somehow by starting the NBA season back up and putting these players back on the floor, that that was a way to really service social justice and really be of service to their communities. And I don't get it, bro. I just don't get it. I'm finding it very difficult to, to stomach this, especially because look, I, I oh, love Obama. By it. I was at, I was very upset by it. Oh, I love okay. Obama. All right, I voted for him twice. No regrets about voting for him. And even though I am firmly in the camp of people who believe Obama didn't do enough for black people, I am mm-hmm. also firmly in the camp of black people didn't rise to the occasion when Obama came into office. We did not take advantage of the opportunity we had with a black person in the White House. So I think there's blame to go around and I'm not gonna be finger pointing at Obama about why didn't you do more for us. But I definitely feel like when it came to Black Lives Matter and Eric Garner, Obama doesn't have a strong record. He was used his podium to refer to those protesters as thugs. 
He did not, I, while I appreciated his comments when Trayvon Martin was murdered, I feel like overall, he has never really supported the movement and never really supported the efforts against police brutality. So to see him again, even outside of the White House, finding ways to stall these efforts and to stymie them and say, hey, somehow, some way, playing basketball is what's really going to help make all this okay. I find it personally insulting, to be completely honest with you. But I don't know. How do you all feel about it? You know, I, I got to say that finally a big group of players got together and, and really used their influence to do something. Exactly. You know, and, and something that I felt actually meant something. You know, all, all that kneeling and, and sorry, after the fact of four years that, that Kaepernick did it, but they finally actually took a, a step forward and actually did something that, that could have been meaningful at the end of the day. And I just felt like it was kind of just tossed aside and thrown away. You know, I don't know what the motive is exactly. I don't know. I don't even want to speculate on what the motive is, but you know, I, I just don't, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. This country just works so hard against change that they know needs to happen that they know needs to come and needs to come right now. And it looks like we always take the hardest path. Obama's just asking, again, for us to take the hardest path. Instead of doing this now, instead of taking our moment, seizing the moment, after he gave a speech at the DNC, which basically, basically said that it's the young people who need to go out there and fight for this, and fight for equality, fight for change. And that's what it looked like they were doing. You know, he turns around and tells them, tells a group of young people not to. I, that's what it looked like to me. I don't know. I was speechless. I, I was kind of lost. Again, a form of nonviolent protest is being suppressed again. We're going to complain yet again when, when looting happens, when, when, when so-called rioting happens. And, and I'm going to tell you, they... They, they think this has been rioting. They ain't seen nothing yet. They obviously ain't watched the news overseas and saw some real riots going on out there. They, they clearly have not seen what a true riot is. Okay? And, and that, that is what you're calling this, <laughs> riots and, and, and this looting and all this. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know what his motive is. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's uh, whatever that motive is. It doesn't seem like it's in our best interest. Uh, personally, shoot, when you when you told me Obama was the one that came out, I didn't hear about that part. All I knew was that the next day, after after they all said they weren't going to play, I heard the next day that the players were all going to have a meeting whether or not they were going to play again or not. So when I when I heard that, I'm like, okay, well, this was just a kind of just like an empty gesture in the grand scheme of things. Like I, I, I thought I was shocked, honestly, when when I heard that they decided, that, especially when Milwaukee dropped it, I'm like, okay, well, that's something I never thought would happen. And then the next day, couple of days and whatnot, like when the Detroit Lions, they decided they weren't going to practice and stuff like that. I, I knew they weren't going to go as far as to say we ain't going to play football because they're they going to play so long as Corona don't tear them apart. I personally, like, <laughs> 
Like I, I kind of felt like it was going to be something that was going to be short lived anyway, just for the simple fact that I, I feel like sports are already taking a number of losses at this point because you got you, you, you have half of your fan base who are either people who are champion to this cause. And then the other half is, you know, them white folks that say y'all need to shut up and dribble at the end of the day. And the ones that like to post on 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 Facebook, shit, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not watching basketball. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I feel like when they see that, they see dollar signs leave. And at the end of the day and whatnot, it really come down to your money. You know what I mean? Like you you can protest. You, it, I'm pretty sure like owners and stuff like that. Like if the players knew or if they spoke with the owners before they made the choice to do the boycott or whatever the case it was, I feel like it was one of the discussions like, I'm, we, we ain't going to sit out but a couple games in the grand scheme of it all. We're going to continue to play all, so we're going to go and get this weak-ass championship after we play in this dumb-ass bubble. <laughs> so, like, I, I never really I, – I, I was I, – I found it interesting that everybody kind of took it, like, very seriously. Like, oh, my God, look look what they did. And like, like even like Kenny Smith, like I, I took what he did more seriously than what they did. Only for the simple fact that I know he he was responding in regards to what the players were doing, but what he did actually made more of a statement to me than what they did because I knew the next day they was gonna talk about going to playing ball regardless. Now I was I wish I was I wish I watched basketball like that because I'd like to see if Kenny Smith has come back on TV and not since then. And just I, I wonder how he feels about that. Like, you know, I, I made this – I came on – I went through makeup. I got mic'd up. I put on a suit. I drove from wherever my house was just to come on here and tell y'all, y'all kiss my ass, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm with the player. I can only imagine, like, how he feels, like, he, he, or even if he was aware of what the situation is. But, like, it's just like you say, like, I think it just basically comes down to dollars. Like – they losing money off of this. And what most people like to point out, like you, you got that that half that that's that that talk about, you know, shut up and dribble. They talk about the people and whatnot that's making more money than a little bit. But them cats and whatnot that's sitting on the sideline is barely playing. They only getting a couple dollars here and there. Granted, like I don't know what the league minimum is in the NBA, but I'm pretty sure it's it's, it's probably somewhere around like 250, 300 grand. 200, 350 grand and whatnot to me. Shit, I'm gonna make it work. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's part of my problem with this though. Like these players came together and they made the decision that we are going to take a stand and make real demands from the people that control the checks. And then in the end, what basically came out of this, I forgot to mention this when, when I first brought it up. They they are going to make the stadiums available during election time Mm -hmm. so that people can come into them and vote. I saw that. Now, the, the, the problem with this is, you know, they're not directly saying it, but it's basically being positioned as, hey, if you have an issue with this man being shot in the back seven times, the way to fight against that and deal with that is to go to the polls and vote Democrat which is bullshit because these murders keep happening in places that are controlled by the democratic party. Like that's just a fact. That's, that's, that's just a fact. 
All right. So so to me, to try to position it as if this is a voting issue and hey, if we could just help more people vote, then that's going to make the everything better. That's this is not based in reality, y'all. It's it's deeper than that. And to me, if you were going to take this stand and try to make these people hold the checks, do something about it, you should have went deeper than that. Instead, Obama basically came to this group and said, hey, help more Democrats get elected and that's going to make everything OK. I got I got serious, <laughs> serious issues with that. bro. Well, you know, when I when I, I think. So, so you know what Jason was kind of alluding to that this thing. Well, he wasn't really alluding to. It, he was saying that this thing wasn't going to last more than a couple of days, <laughs> you know. But mm-hmm. you know, I, right. I think I think to note is that the Milwaukee Bucks were the first to do it, and I think they caught people off guard when they did it because I, I remember watching the mm-hmm. commentary where they were talking about well, with you know, administration. Uh, uh, team ownership and things like that are in the locker rooms now talking to these players, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And, and I don't think, I don't think, I think Milwaukee caught them off guard. Now there can be an argument that the rest of the teams, you know, may have had discussions with owners and things like that. But I think the Bucks just said, we going to butt the system. I, I think the Bucks just went in there <laughs> and did it. And, and I, I got mad respect for that. Uh, you know, I don't think they knew what their end goal was going to be. I don't think I think it was a spur of the moment thing, you know, and and they said, we're just not going to take the floor. I don't even know if they plan on doing it beyond that day. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe you know, we're, we're just making this stand right now. And I don't think they knew anything beyond that <laughs> to that point. And then all of a sudden other right. teams start to, you know, the team they were supposed to play. They said, well. If they're not taking the floor, we're not going to take the floor either, and we're not going to take a forfeit. So, so you know, they stood tall with the butts too, you know, regardless of what all those players mm-hmm. thought about the about the shooting or not. They said, "Well, we're going to stand with the Bucks, and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to take that." So, those two teams, I got mad respect for both of them for doing it. Now, after that, uh, you know, I got respect for the other teams too, who stood tall too and said we're going to protest. Um, but those two specifically, I don't think there was any plan. I, I think they were just like, we need to make a statement, right. and this is the statement we want to make. So I don't we think they do even something. thought about demands or or anything like that. I think this was just, a, I'm tired. I don't, I, you know, some of them just, I can't even play right now. I can't go out there and play what, you know, it, it's, I just, I, this is too much. And I feel that because I, I'm on social media, I'm watching the news that this, that, and the other, I'm just seeing death everywhere. Again, see someone else in LA that just mm-hmm. got killed. You know, it, it, it's just everywhere and, and we can't seem to get around it. So I, I feel it. I, I, it's been like you know, this Rona got got us a bunch of us off from work. But if I was there right now, I'd be like, you know, hey, you know, I mean, this is this is so I, I get it. So there, there might have been no plan, period, from them. It, it might have just been a look, we look, we need to do something. I don't know what, but I'm not taking the floor right now. What about you? You know, I ain't taking the floor either. You know what? Right. <laughs> Someone else might have been like, well, I did hurt my thumb 
you know, at the last game. So maybe I ought to sit out too. And all of a sudden, everybody's just like, you know what? You know what? None of us are taking the floor. So, yeah. And I, you know, I got respect for that. So definitely those first two teams right there, I got, you know, I got respect. And Kenny Smith, like you said, yeah, I got, you know, I got mad respect. I don't even know if any other announcer did anything like that. I think he was the only one. I'm watching Shaq and Charles Barkley put their heads down. And it came off as incredibly genuine. You could see that he was really, really uh, conflicted and in a lot of personal pain regarding the situation. When no, I'm calling off work today. I'm coming in. I'm leaving. How you like that shit? (laughs) (laughs) Every every brother's dream. (laughs) Every brother's dream. Awesome. Moving on, I wanted to touch real quick on the protest that had been going on in Kenosha. It seems like for the most part, they have died down now and we're moving into trying to figure out the fallout. But I felt like it was worth uh, talking a little bit about Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, I assume that's how to pronounce his last name. I honestly, I'm not completely sure. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I felt the need to take a couple of minutes to prepare folks because I think there's a lot of people who believe that evidence will show that he murdered someone in cold blood and that he's going to jail and that it's just a matter of how much jail time he's going to get and yada, yada, yada. I'm telling you right now. Looking at the videotapes, looking at the evidence, looking at uh, especially the perspectives from uh, people on both sides of the aisle, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think uh, that kid is going to get a single day of jail time, to be honest with you. Um, the First and foremost, while it is illegal to own, uh, I think it's handguns and shotguns when you're under 18, they do not have those same laws regarding rifles. With rifles, you just need a particular hunting license. And from my understanding, he does have that license. So even on- Even in Wisconsin. Uh, weapon, yeah. And, and But even in bringing it to uh, Kenosha. And and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't- I don't think there's any there there mm-hmm. from from my understanding, looking at channels of lawyers actually looking at the data yeah. and analyzing it. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's something they're going to get him on. Now, as far as that first uh, uh, shooting, that first murder that he committed, there is videotape of protesters challenging him, claiming that he was pointing his rifle at cars that were driving by and and ordering people to get out of their cars, right? But even if that's true, it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to charge him uh, for that first killing because there's video of him trying to run away from the guy that he ended up killing. Mm -hmm. And if if you can prove that that first killing is justified, that he tried to run away, that he was not the 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 attacker excuse me, he was not the aggressor in that situation and therefore committed that first killing as an act of self-defense then when those other protesters run up on him with the skateboard and everything else uh at that point he's just defending killing them 
Yeah, at that point, he's just defending himself from committing an earlier act of self-defense, and those people have no case for charging him the way that they did. And I got to tell you, I don't see a lane where the courts are going to look at this in a different way. And I know that is deeply painful to hear, deeply upsetting. Especially with them going after the people of one that he actually shot. Have you seen like you know how they they, they do how they do black folk the majority of the time? How they basically start talking mm-hmm. about the records and I've seen them many posts like, well, the guy that he shot and wasn't wasn't no saint no way, so he won't be missed. Damn, mm-hmm. that's fucked up. <laughs> like y'all go to take a motherfucker after he done got murdered, then killed, and or you tra- trash his ass and shit through all kind of dirt. He broke into cars when he was twelve. He deserved to die. Right. Damn, right. I just saw some posts before we started filming now uh, debunking some of the things that have been going around um, regarding Jacob, saying that that he had sexually assaulted a child and all that kind of stuff. And so apparently those those warrants that people kept sending screenshots of, apparently those were all phony. <laughs> and they've just been uh, trying to throw dirt on this brother's name to excuse uh, the horrific act, horrific acts by the police but at the end of this end of the day he's underage he didn't even when they attacked him with the skateboard he didn't just start firing off shots into the crowd he shot the specific people that were uh, trying to yeah that were trying to stop him because they viewed him as someone as you know a white supremacist who was just shooting into a crowd of black lives matter uh protesters first of all who are these motherfuckers mm-hmm. running up on a motherfucker with a rifle? That's my whole thing. I, I really trip mm-hmm. out on that shit. Like, you think these mm-hmm. motherfuckers ain't crazy enough to put a couple clips off in your ass? They ain't standing out there just because they, you know, they looking tough. They standing out there because they want you to test them. That's why he See, drove I his hate- ass to Kenosha. <laughs> See, but but I keep I, I keep hearing people say that, but I think you need to c- consider the situation mm-hmm. we hear all the time of uh, a school shooter run run into the building start shooting a bunch of kids and what happens mm-hmm. people throw themselves at the shooter to try to stop him you're trying to stop more people from being murdered and if you feel like this guy is walking down there's no there's no reason for them to believe that he's on his way to giving himself up to the police so if you are convinced that this is a man with a loaded rifle who has already murdered one person and that he's walking down the street with the intention to murder more people, you have you make a choice that either I'm just going to stay. I'm going to turn around and run the other way, save myself. I'm going to stand by and watch it happen or I'm going to jump in, get involved and try to prevent other people from potentially being killed. So so it's a hero thing? That's why you... Look here. First of all, and I'm not saying this to to debunk or dispute anything. I'm just talking about the situation itself. The first motherfucker Uh ran up on his ass, got his fucking head blown off. Because he ran up on him. He wasn't doing shit in the beginning, apparently. Well, that's what they go probably, you know, the lawyers and stuff is going to track it. If this motherfucker, like, from my understanding of it, I thought the boy was basically just walking through like black matter cloud crowds and whatnot with his pistol and shit trying to antagonize people. But I guess he was actually sitting out front of that fucking gas station or whatever the hell they was supposedly protecting. 
you know what I'm saying? I guess the people were accusing him, like you say, of pointing his guns at cars and shit. Okay, so you gonna run up on a motherfucker with the gun and tell him stop? Or I, if he hadn't been, if he wasn't shooting into them cars or nothing like that, who are you bulletproof? Are you fucking Superman? What are you running up on this boy for? What makes you think that he not gonna shoot you? But the problem with that, I understand what you're saying, right? But the problem with that perspective is that a lot of these white supremacists run in militias. Yeah. So if yeah. you're going to be afraid of, if you're going to be afraid of someone just because they're armed, where can you protest? Where can you get things done? Keep you know, like that though. doesn't work. You can protest all the they, they over there. Let, protest. Why are you going right, over but, there but, fucking with them? <laughs> Wait, but but no, remember, they said that this guy with the rifle was pointing his rifle at other protesters who were coming down the street. He wasn't shooting at them. So he was pointing his no, gun. He wasn't shooting. He was pointing his gun That's and it. trying to give commands. Okay. So protest. Don't the fucking cops got guns and shit. If you're not listening to them, what you gonna listen to some ass jacking and shit standing on the side of the road with his rifle? Unless he start popping off at fucking people. Fine. Otherwise, it should keep your ass protesting. Don't f- tell him to go fuck yourself and keep walking. Who gives a shit? Why are you running up on this nigga with the gun? Why are you giving him a reason? He wants you to do that shit. That's the whole reason they out there. Please come run up on me so I can blow your fucking head off, no matter who you are. That's my thing. Like, if you're going to protest, go fucking protest. Why are you running up on these assholes standing over here by the gas station that's boarded up? And if they point their guns from across the street, I mean, shit. And then just listening to some of the reports about what they say the police was telling these guys and shit, like they gonna push protesters towards them and all that other stuff, and they was gonna leave the scene. Like, I mean, these motherfuckers is out here because they want some shit to pop off. I haven't seen a white man with a gun in his hand that's just like, I'm just out here because, you know, I like holding my rifle. They want some shit to pop off. I dare you to run up on me, homeboy. Because guess what? At the end of the day, I'm going to be right. Because the police is on my side out here. And all I'm looking for is an excuse to kill some of you motherfuckers. Because that's what I want to do anyway. So if you protest, go take your ass and protest. You ain't got to fuck with them. They can talk all the shit they want. Fuck what they talking about. Keep it moving. You still alive. They can point all day. As long as they ain't shooting. Now, when you run up on his ass and he put that motherfucking muzzle up in your goddamn mouth, are you a martyr now? What I don't I don't understand what the point of it is. If you're gonna run up on a nigga with a gun, I suggest you'd have a gun. I'm not with not with this hand and some skin. That that shit don't work. Unless you Superman, unless you from fucking Krypton and shit, go ahead and run up. But I ain't met nobody from Krypton yet. Everybody that got shot with a gun that got shot. So let these crazy motherfuckers stand their ass on the sideline all the fuck they want. Stop running up on them. You out there for a reason. Be out there for that reason. Plain and simple. We got to remember how how jacked up these people are when they're out there. I mean, we're, we're talking about folk who mm-hmm. are potentially going to, I mean, you got to be pretty jacked up to in this society, in this day and age to say, I'm going to go smash windows and burn stuff out and things. Now, I'm not saying... You know, every protester was out there to do that, right? But some were. Some were. Some were ready to, to tear it down and burn burns it down. And and when that happens, there's a certain jacked up you are. And and it and when that adrenaline starts flowing and you're out there in the middle of it and stuff's going on, 
Now me, I you know I keep my adrenaline in somewhat of a check, so so I I can be that one to go. Yeah, I'm not walking over there toward that dude. <laughs> they they got them guns over there, and I ain't come ready for that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna walk the other way. Now I got that in me, right? I know to come another day, and I better be prepared. But you know some. Some got a little bit more, and and let let's consider it. And I'm not I'm not comparing him to a to a Crispus Addicts or or someone like that. But let's remember, you know, in the start of the revolution, you know, Crispus Addicts ran up against people in front of people with guns, right? <laughs> and and he got himself killed as the first person to get killed in in, in the name of the American Revolution, right? So eventually it comes down to that eventually as protests everybody gets impatient everybody gets impatient and after so much protesting everything people gonna start it's come on there's gotta be an end to this or something and people start getting more and more jacked up about it and you get things like that um you know i'm not saying it should be that way but you know in one of my posts I mentioned it, it is it, it's it's how America is, you know. America responds to everything with violence, you know. Violence seems to be the key to get America to change anything, and and even when you think about Dr. King, while Dr. King personally did not use violence as a tactic, he indirectly used violence to help his point get pushed across, right? There was plenty of violence put onto him and his followers, right? And he used that violence. He showcased that violence to the world, right? Violence is used to make these changes. That's the unfortunate part. So now let me say, I'm not comparing these folk to, to Martin Luther King, to, to Crispus Addis, to any of that. But I'm saying eventually that's where it goes, Right. Um, yeah, I understand it though. I understand what you're saying. I'm not going to get out there and, and run up against somebody with a gun. But what I'm what I'm more concerned now about is that we set the precedent now. These militias are out there now. So now, what happens? Do the protesters do the protesters raise the stakes now, and do they start coming with guns? And now, are we going to have shootouts out in the middle of the streets now? You know, now you you just I'll be honest this up. with you. I wouldn't protest without a gun. I, yeah, I'm not protesting when I'm bringing my gun. No, sir. You know, the states are up now. No way. The states are raised. And and if they do not convict him, because here's the way I look at it, right? I got to think that there's something in the law somewhere that just because you have a hunting license doesn't mean you have a license to just carry that thing around. I got to think there's something in the law where if 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 you if it appears you have no intentions of even going to a hunting area, you know that 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 thing's supposed to be in your truck, you know uh, it, it's supposed nope. to be squared away somewhere. You'd be wrong, sir. Uh, see if that's the case, I don't understand why don't I just go get a hunting license then? What do, what do I need? I mean, there, I mean, there's 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 places where it's easier to get a hunting license than than, than a driver's license. So why so why in the world would I would I go through the trouble of of going through these different gun laws and things like that? 
why don't I just get a hunting license? I could just carry a long gun everywhere I go. Well, I mean, I don't, I just don't understand this country. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> it's rough, man. It's rough. And a lot of the people who want things to remain the same and are perfectly comfortable with how um, black men and, and some black women have been treated um, by the police, those same people deeply believe in being armed <laughs> and deeply believe in, hey, I have the right to use my uh, weapons to enforce my view upon the world <laughs> and on to you. Shit, what other reason and, is there to have a gun? Of course, shit. My, my, what I say? What would I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it. I feel the same way. Apparently. I had a fucking rifle in my, like, my closet. Yeah, yeah. Would y'all, you, what? You said what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shit. Yeah. I find it funny how the whole situation and shit, like, like you talking about, like, whatever laws and stuff like that. The, what was the, that Kenosha sheriff and shit that bust out and said that, you know, these motherfuckers died because they was out after curfew? I'm like, that nigga was 17. Yeah. <laughs> right. Shit. Right. I mean, 17 fuck. with a rifle. Like the, the, the protest was the right, out right? after curfew and shit, but these motherfuckers, these six, 18, 20 motherfuckers out here with these guns right. because they gun, they guns give them freedom from curfew? How come they asked mm -hmm. if the shit shouldn't have been in the house? Absolutely. If that's the Absolutely. case, like you want to talk about how people basically brought shit upon themselves and shit, them motherfuckers shouldn't have been out there in the first fucking place. The cops were standing right in front of them. I never heard them say nothing to them about no damn curfew. They was tossing them water. No. And shit. Appreciate no. y'all being out here. Exactly. And look, at this point, there have been multiple stories written about how across the country we have a huge issue with these white supremacist gangs and these white supremacist groups who are able to infiltrate our law enforcement and are then able to spread their views and spread their way of life onto the people they're supposed to be serving. There's documented footage of the police working hand in hand with the Proud Boys. They worked hand in hand with this militia saying, hey, we're going to push the protesters towards you. Come on now. There's no way you could convince me they would do that because they expect things to be peaceful. You know, when they asked the militia guy about it, he specifically said, the police told them, hey, you know how to handle them. <laughs> well, what does handle mean? It certainly doesn't mean allow them to peacefully go about their way. Come on now. Don't worry, well, some more. Come on. There are now. only a few bad apples. Well, you know, we, uh, and and we we got some comments in the in the comment section. Um, you know, one of them from from uh, Gwendolyn uh, Rowland is uh, they have forty five back in them. You know, and I, and I think that's a that's a great point. You know it. it I mean, he just before his visit there, I mean, what did he say? He said it looked to him like he was just defending himself, you know, and and uh, I mean, he set the stage right there to say what he was pretty much going to do, which was bat the police, uh, bat this kid. And and basically, again, he was going to take a shot at at Democratic government and, and say that they weren't doing what they needed to do uh, to keep law and order. And uh, it was just another of point of him going to rally his base. And, and I mean, we knew that was going to happen. Um, and they know that that's what's going to happen. So they, they feel free to do it. 
Hey, for a second there too, when we started this some more, I, I thought you were taking the conservative role for a second there when you when you started talking about the, these democratic cities. <laughs> it's like no, they no, all no, no, the no. Democrats. I'm like, some more. No, bro. I am no no no. I'm hardcore left wing. <laughs> I'm hardcore left wing progressive. All right. Bernie Sanders, AOC, and, and Mark. I'm on I'm in their camp. The Nancy Pelosi's and the Joe Biden's and all the rest of these. Uh, I'm only voting for Joe Biden because I have to. All right. But in any other world, I, I would rest peace comfortably knowing that I never had to get give this man my vote. <laughs> Speaking of which, and piggybacking on Hudson talking about Donald Trump, let nobody who's listening to this right now be confused. This entire situation has been fantastic for Trump fantastic for Trump. They came out with new poll numbers earlier this week. He has closed the gap completely. Trump and Biden are considered dead even right now. Complete 50-50 toss-up about who's going to win. And frankly, all the momentum is on Trump's side. All right. And the reason why the momentum is all on Trump's side is that Trump knows how to feed his base and Biden fucking doesn't. <laughs> and I'm tired of watching it. Trump goes out and says, hey, all you white militiamen, all you white supremacists, all you people that can't stand black folks, all you that get off on seeing black folks being murdered, vote for me. I'm going to make sure it keeps happening. And then you got a whole bunch of so-called moderate Republicans who don't like the rhetoric necessarily, but the general gist of the idea, law and order, crack people in the heads if they're marching for more, they're actually good with that. So they're along for the ride as well. Mm -hmm. So he's right back in the driver's seat, same way it was in 2016. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, when they ask him about the protests and what's going on, what does he try to do? He tries to be Republican light. He tries to give you the diet version of the Republicans and say, hey, you know, I'm really against all those looters. And, you know, I really support our police. And I want to make sure that that that, that, that there's order on, on the street. He's saying all the same things that Trump is saying, even though it's not where his base is at all. Hundreds of thousands of people on the street making it absolutely clear we are sick and tired of what the police have been doing. We are sick and tired of how black people have been getting treated. We demand change. What does Biden have for these people? Nothing. Nothing. How does he expect to win? Somebody explain to me what is the path that he expects to win with if you're not going to appeal to your base, to the people that are supposed to vote for you. Why are you appealing to the moderate base that is clearly going for Trump? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And it scares the shit out of me because, again, it is clear Trump is rising. Trump is in the driver's seat, ladies and gentlemen. There's just no other way to look at it. None. And just a month ago, it was the exact opposite. Biden looked like he was going to steamroll things. And he has found a way 
to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but a, uh, I think you might want to go ahead and get your mind wrapped around four more years of Trump. Just personally, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't see Biden beating him. I just don't. I don't give a fuck how many people you got voting. <laughs> I just don't. I'm sorry. Here and and I mean it's taking us off off a little subject here, but you know now we got CNN reporting that 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 uh, the CDC is saying we might have a vaccine that the states need to push out in in October. So right before right before the election, they're they're looking they're looking to get on stage and say we have a vaccine. I mean, your life is going back to normal. You know, they, they, they could not have timed this. And, and I said it so, I said it so often that, that he is planning to kill them on these, on these protests. He has no intentions of doing anything about these protests. And, and, and the only way he will do something is if he can send in heavy military to stop it and and mm-hmm. and then he'll be the guy who stopped the protests who stopped the riot and stopped the looting or else he's just the the helpless republican president who can't you know i can't go in and force the democratic governor to <laughs> to do anything so you know hey just yeah. watch them burn their whole city and state down right i mean he planned this beautifully he, he knew how this was going to go down he just announced earlier today, uh, before we got on, that he's uh, trying to find a way to um, pull federal funds from what he's calling sanctuary cities, I think is what he referred it to as. But, you know, of course, that's usually um, used in association with immigration. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, really, what he's trying to tie it into is the protest and say, because he's first ones on the list is Seattle. So I think he's trying to say all these, you know, what he's been calling weak mayors, all these weak politicians who can't keep their cities together and can't keep order on the streets. Well, if you can't, if you don't know what to do with this money, we might as well just take it from you anyway. Of course, he can't actually do that, but it's all red meat for the base. All of it is just making what base of people feel like. This is that guy. He gets it. He understands. He's going to hold these liberals accountable. Where is the other side? Where is the progressive icon who says, no, I'm against all this nonsense. We are going to um, um, change our criminal justice system. We are going to hold our police accountable. We are going to fight for the poor and to support these people whose lives have been destroyed by COVID. Where's the other side? Where's, where are Biden and Kamala out front showing that other side? I don't see it. All I see is, y'all know Trump is horrible. Vote for us so we can get Trump out. It wasn't enough in 2016. It won't be enough now. It won't. Here's the funny part, that even if Biden came out and said that, let's be realistic how many people are going to believe him, A. And because that's the thing about about our base, right? We actually need to believe you. <laughs> Here's the thing about Trump's base. They don't have to, they, they, it, it's no whether believe them or not believe them. The, the, the simple fact that he said, and we all know that he is not going to be able to pull federal funding because of this. 
right? But the fact that he said it is enough okay. for them. But if Biden mm-hmm. comes out mm-hmm. and says tomorrow, you know, that he is going to defund the police, he's going to make sure we would not believe him. And, and that's the sad part about it. You're, I agree with you. You're right about that. But I believe there's a very easy way for him to circumvent that. No, he does not have any credibility with the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, right? However, he could come out publicly and say, this is my cabinet. If I come into office, this is going to be my secretary of defense. This is going to be the leader of the Department of Education. These are the people that I'm going to put in power. And if some of them are people who have weight within the progressive wing, then it doesn't matter if you believe him because you say, oh, okay, you're going to be surrounded by people telling you the type of things to give you the type of advice that I want you to hear. You are giving me a vision, something for me to support. You're saying, hey, here is what the country is going to be like if you put me into a position of power. I don't see the vision. Where is the vision right now for what our country is going to be if Biden comes into office? All I know is that it's not going to be involving Trump. If we get Biden in, Trump won't be in there. Trump won't be in there. I understand that's enough from, for some people. It is clearly, we already know for a fact, it's not enough for, for enough people to beat Trump. It's not. Well, here's so the second part of the problem. A vision. Here's the second part of the problem. His vision has nothing to do with that. So, so, the, so the second part of the problem right there is that he, he doesn't want to do those things. So, so I mean, there's a bit wrinkle. Exactly, there's a bit wrinkle in 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 there right there. So, I mean, I, you know, it's definitely a rock and a hard place. I, I could definitely say that. You know, it, it's it's crazy Brutal. that as as bad as Trump has made it, Biden would come in and almost like pause time is what I envision. He wouldn't exactly make anything better. He just paused time where now it's not going to get worse. Whereas a post Trump come in is going to get worse and worse and worse. I think Biden might kind of pause things a little bit and say, okay, we took a big chunk out that we didn't mean to take out for the next like 12, 15, 30 years. So we're going to pause things a little bit, but yeah. he, he doesn't have those visions. So that's but- why that's not going to happen. You need look no further than the chat to see why it's not enough to beat Trump. Here we got Jason Henderson saying this is a new social economic reconstruction era. We need Trump whether we like it or not. How how can someone be convinced that Trump is going to usher in a new social economic reconstruction era? I I don't understand, but he's, he's managed to pull this off. There's a lot of people who feel like, yo, Trump is the way. Well, He's going to guide us to the promised well, land. Well, no, he, he <laughs> would usher in a new era. It, it's just not going to be an era we're going to like. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's he's definitely <laughs> going to do some stuff, but we're not going to like it. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean that's the, that's the part. So, yeah, anybody <laughs> you put in there is going to usher in that new era because that new era is coming. I mean, when you look at cryptocurrency and all that good stuff, I mean, we got a new era of stuff coming. 
we just ain't going to like it. So, I mean, that's the thing about it. But I think we can agree we're not going to like it. It looks like no matter who comes in there. So, you know, for me, I like I said, I, I'd rather go with the guy who's going to, I think, pause things and say, okay, right. we're getting a little off the rails here as opposed to the one who likes things off the rails. Because clearly he likes things just totally off the rails. He don't care that stuff is on fire every single mm-hmm. where. You know, I think at least Biden would try exactly. to. He's 100% down for I it. I think Biden would at least try to say, okay, we can't go there all at once. We we need to just kind of piece this out a little bit. And that'll give us a chance to regroup. Because we need to regroup and really seriously <laughs> think about who we want in office. And one of the things that that. Jason did mention in these comments is that we need to figure out some some different solutions as far as maybe third party or 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 what we're going to what we're going to bet for the future, because we can't keep going down this road. The problem with the, the, the third party or specifically the Green Party is they only show up when it's time to elect the president. Like if you're seriously going to be the third party, the work should begin right after this election. As soon as the president is voted in, you should be getting beginning the work now to get yourself exposure and position yourself as the person who should be the next president of the United States. What usually happens is these people just come off as spoilers. You you I don't even hear your name until four months before the election is is about to start. Mm-hmm. You've done nothing done nothing whatsoever you have no real background of getting things done i just know how you feel and what you would like to see happen it it gives people no confidence that putting you in a position of power would actually be a benefit to them so you know who's going to be doing that work early and often to actually position a third party well what they're not doing is they're they're not taking big enough chunks at the lower levels and and they're trying to they're trying to build it from the top down as opposed to the bottom up. If that third party doesn't have a, a bunch of senators in Congress, a bunch of House of Representatives in Congress, they have no backing there. So they're just, they're just one person in mm-hmm. office that's not going to be able to bring either party together. You know, it, it's it doesn't work that way. You need to start at the local levels. And and to me, honestly. Honestly, you can't even come in as a third party. You're going to have to come in clandestine on some old, uh, you know, some ninja, some ninja <laughs> move. Come in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a Democrat. Or, or, yeah, I'm a Republican. And they need to get in there. And then just yeah. boom, just one day, all of them turn like, like a cold word they're going to speak. And that's the, you know, 25 senators go, <laughs> we're a part of third party, whatever. And and they're going to have to do something. What, what was that? What what was the squad in uh, in uh, Captain America where they where they uh, Hydra? They're going to have to do some Hydra mess to, to get in there. I mean, I'm serious. That's the only way that a third party is going to get in there. Yeah, pretty much. That's what they're going to have to do. If they don't do that. Uh, the two parties are going to come together and try to squash them every time. And that's the problem. Any, even if they try from a, from a smaller level, those two parties are going to come and just rip them apart every time at any step that they try to get to. One last question before we move on to a different topic. 
they announced earlier today that uh, debates will be held. Um, right. Who the moderators are and the dates, right? Um, so, my personal opinion is that when Biden gets on a debate stage, debate stage with Trump, Trump is going to eat this man alive. <laughs> that is going to absolutely tear him apart. Do either of you disagree with me on this? Is there even a conversation to be I had? just need to know when the date of it is because I want to laugh at that shit. That, that shit's going to be like watching comedy. <laughs> that shit ain't going to be funny to me It's going to be irritating as hell to watch... listen to Trump talk, but that, that shit's going to be funny as hell watching Biden ass up there smiling the whole time looking like a fucking idiot. I'm going to be watching votes slip away before my very eyes. I'm not. In fact, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to just read the recap of it. And I will only watch it if they just say somehow, some way, Biden slaughtered them. But Hudson, uh, do you, do you differ at all from look, the, my my viewpoint uh, on this? Uh, look, uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> how how many points do I got against this? Let, let's play some bets. Uh, what what's the odds in Vegas? <laughs> it's enough where I'm willing. If it's a hundred to one, I'm willing to take that. You know, and, and hopefully come out with a killing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, mm, Trump maybe is he'll proven. let Kamala come out and talk for him. You know, the the I mean, the uh, the fact of the matter is, is that that Biden can't even talk in a in a in an interview where he knows the questions. You know, it, it's it, I, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you, you're putting them on a stage. <laughs> With with Trump, with Trump, who doesn't even have to say anything truthful. That's the thing. How do you debate somebody who doesn't have to say anything factual? He has set himself up. He never has to tell the truth. How can you debate someone like that? You literally have no clue what he's going to say. No clue what he's going to say. Top his head, like whatever he's thinking, that's what he's going to say. How can you debate that? Monkeys you, make you come to me. You ask me how. How what am I gonna do about unemployment? And I tell you, I'm gonna plant some lemon trees because that's how you take care of unemployment. <laughs> you plant the lemon trees, and and the seeds from that grow into new jobs. And then we're gonna take it and use those seeds <laughs> to build the wall next to Mexico. And and how does Biden come out? And he just gonna and walk off stage. That? How does Biden debate that? You can't. He <laughs> dropped the mic on that living shit too. That pop, just walk off stage. Where the fuck he going? Yo, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal, man. And Kamala better have the debate performance of her life. Like I absolutely believe that she's going to uh, uh, spread pence on toast. But she needs to devour this dude. She needs to absolutely obliterate him in a way there. There's just nothing left on the table because that's what it's going to take to make up for what happens when Biden faces against Trump. Uh, that's the only way I can see this evening out, bro. Do you know what would be cool? See, if that's how it works. If the vice president speech is what get them in and whatnot, I, no, I'm not down. <laughs> I'm not down with that at well, all. If the VP... It worked for Obama. When when Paul Ryan was vice president, uh -huh. there was real fear about they were going to take over. And then Biden had that debate um, against Paul Ryan and destroyed him. 
destroyed Paul Ryan, made him look like a little boy. Hmm. I remember that. That's when um, what's that little term that Biden used that became like a household <laughs> household name? Uh, malarkey. Paul Ryan uh, brought up one of his little plans and explained what he was going to do. And Joe Biden was like, that's a bunch of malarkey. And then moved on and, and went into his whole little spiel. And that's all the publications were talking about for a week. Mm. So, yeah, a vice presidential debate can be a huge factor. In fact, the vice presidential debates is part of what helped sink McCain's uh, campaign when he had, what's the chick? Well, we, who he chose come on now. The you governor from Alaska. That as an example. That, that green card he had running with him. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on Look, now. It, it, it can be a it, huge it's deal. good when you got a simpleton and shit running with you for VP and shit. But I mean, come on. Here's what be real You got to cool. give Pence a little bit more credit. Here's what be real cool, right? Is if during the presidential debate, mm -hmm. when they introduce folks and they, they got Donald Trump out there and then they introduce Joe Biden, you said you just see the light start flashing and it goes dark. And when it comes up, Kamala is <laughs> Kamala Harris is standing out there at that podium. <laughs> now that that you wanna be, you wanna do double duty, bro? <laughs> man, why not? Why not? She could take both of them. Let her do it. What <laughs> what could hope, bro? Let's uh Let's pivot it a little bit. Since we're on the subject of politics, I want to touch on this real quick. Unfortunately, I don't have any details about this because I wasn't able to attend the virtual town hall that Lightfoot had last night. Mm -hmm. But she did announce on the 31st, there's an article in the Chicago Tribune, that there will be a $1.2 billion shortfall and the Chicago budget. Uh, she says that roughly 65% of it is due to COVID, um, but it's still the reality of the city. And of course, Trump has made it very clear that as long as he's in office, none of these cities led by the Democratic Party that have experienced significant financial hardship due to COVID can expect any real resources from the federal government. So she's preparing the city for what is basically going to be massive cuts to try to level off this debt that we owe. So she said she's going to use the TIF surplus and consider a possible computer lease tax. Oh, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> she, she made no mention of a property tax hike. Um, during the day that this article came out, August 31st, which is a little strange to me because I don't see how you can level off a $1.2 billion deficit without raising property taxes. And if you got to raise them, you might as well do it as soon as possible so that hopefully people, some th other things will happen and people will forget about it by the time it's time for you to have re-election. If you wait a year or two, and then you raise people's taxes. They're guaranteed to remember that when you need their votes and it's going to hurt your chances of being reelected. But maybe there's a grand master plan to raise funds that I'm just not aware of. Uh, unfortunately, again, 
I don't have any other details, so I don't know what's all in the budget or what specific aspects are causing uh, it to balloon the way that it has. But, brothers, any thoughts before we move on? I guess that $750 million investment in the south and west sides is out then, huh? (laughs) (laughs) She didn't announce that, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if it's gentrification, it might all be part of the plan. Them rich folks want their buildings, so it may not be off the table at all. (laughs) Those be broke, Jack. They come on in, they can make Chicago how they want to. Probably what the plan is in the grand scheme of it all. Yeah, let the investors come on in. They still go. They, mm-hmm. they, they still ain't go touch the south of the west sides. But they go invest yeah. in everything and whatnot. They didn't tow up down there. They're going to make Chicago look real pretty. Federal government's not going to kick in. But, you know, I, and again, I don't know how true that is. You know, it, it's, I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it's all going to depend on how the election does shape out. It's going to depend on how those, uh, how those uh, Senate and and House elections pan out, because you know at the end of the day, if Democrats can get a can get a majority, you know, I mean, it, it forty five might not have much he can do to stand in the way of it. I don't know. Yes, he will, because uh, it's not enough for us to have a majority. We would have to have a veto proof majority. Because I can guarantee you there is very little chance that Trump will sign off on legislation that's going to send federal funds to New York, uh, Chicago, and L.A. There's very little chance of that. So we would have to, if he's in office, we would have to have such an overwhelming majority that it made his signature meaningless, which I don't think there's a path to us being able to do that this election. So either we get him out or Chicago is going to have to figure out how to deal with his debt on its own because because McConnell has already made it clear that he is aligned with Trump in this and feeling like let these cities file for bankruptcy, let them fall. Yeah, I don't now, know. Now to me that's dumb. Yeah. That's I, incredibly dumb. But I mean, I I don't know. I don't I don't see I mean there's other stuff they want to. So, you know, this stuff all gets pushed in the bills. Like what? They, they're always going to want stuff. They want plenty of stuff. These bills are filled with massive stuff that basically people want so that they can get the main point of the bill across. I just don't see him stopping that, especially if he wins the election and he's in there. I don't see him trying to, trying to go against that. He might not want to give as much as people ask for, but... I don't think he I don't think he's going to totally veto. I don't I don't see Democrats giving him anything in exchange for those funds. Look at the situation we're in right now. We got hundreds of thousands of people all across the country don't know when they're going to get their next check, uh, almost on the verge of being kicked out of their homes. They still can't agree and pass this unemployment bill. Like the fact of the matter is the unemployment bill benefits both Democrats and Republicans. Both Democrats and Republicans need to look like they are helping these people that have been significantly damaged by COVID. It makes both of them look bad that this bill hasn't been passed yet. They still can't get it done. Yeah, but didn't the Republicans fuck around and put some something in that bill and whatnot that basically like guarantees some kind of military funding? Because I think that's like what Hudson's talking about. Like they always throw something in there that'll benefit one more than the other. Like the government, they were the Republicans were trying to get something in there so they could buy some more planes or something like that. 
Right, but Hudson was saying it from the standpoint of, you know, they'll cut a deal. They'll figure out how to come together and make it work. And I'm saying I feel like there is no making it work anymore. Even in the most dire situation where they absolutely need to do it to just be reelected, they still can't come together and get it done. Mm. You know, like, I don't think that if Trump gets back into office, he will. the Democrats that are in the Senate and House they're going to become like the Republicans were when Obama first got in. You know, when Obama first got in and McConnell immediately said our number one job is to make sure he's a one-term president and to make sure everything he does fails. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Democrats will make it their number one job to ensure that anything Trump does fail, regardless of the effect that it has on the general population. You know what Trump does to get around it? Because his main claim to fame that he hmm. keeps trying to boast is that he's going to bring a great economy. That, that, that keeps being his main claim to fame. And he's going to try to ride that claim uh, to, the, to the next uh, presidential election where the next Republican tries to go in that he's going to try to handpick. If it's not himself, he tries to get in there some kind of way. Right. But, you know, he, he <laughs> just like <laughs> Just like with this FEMA thing, he went and he approved $300 a, a, a week more of federal funds for unemployment. And because uh, Governor Pritzker just announced that that Illinois was approved for that FEMA grant. So now mm-hmm. a lot of people's checks are going to be higher by 300 per week because of it. What he does is he takes things and he does things in these executive orders, knowing that with his with his control of the House or, or his control of Congress, that they're not going to overturn it. They're not going to do anything to stop it because they're so indecisive at getting anything done. They're so indecisive about stopping them. So he, he in turn still gets to look like the hero now by, by, doing, by doing this. He's going to boast that in the middle of these debates, in the middle of these that he did this. Right. He's not going to let these cities just perish. Now, like mm-hmm. I said, he might not give them exactly what they're asking for, you know, but he's but he's going to want to look like the savior. He's going to want to even with these Democratic areas, he's going to want to look like, hey, well, you know, I bailed these struggling cities out. I bailed these struggling states out. And if he has to do some executive, some exec, try to flex some executive muscle, he's going to try to do it. And we're going to we're going to complain and moan about he doesn't have the power to do it. And yet he's going to do it. And mm-hmm. since no one is going to stop yeah. him from doing it. Well, technically, then he does have the power to do it. <laughs> so what what Democrat who needs that extra three hundred dollars is going to complain? He knows he's got you. He knows it. So so you complain mm-hmm. about him flexing his executive powers. You're in turn complaining about the boosting your check now. So that's how he gets you. That's how he gets you. Like, like what are you going to say? Like, take this $300 a week back. Heck, even, even the conservatives on Facebook, they, they use that all the time. They'll say, well, give back that stimulus check then. You know, that's what they do. And they're going to do the same thing with this, right? So it, it's just so tough. Like I said, he doesn't have to be honest. He doesn't have to be truthful. How do you compete with a guy like that? How? I don't know. And I think the situation is going to continue to suck for quite some time. It's going to be okay some more. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, let me move on. I'm sick of talking about. Trump. There you go. Good job. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, so, OnlyFans. I think most of the people on this uh, call know what OnlyFans is, but there was a big story that broke out this week about it. So let me make sure we're all on the same page. OnlyFans is a website that about 450,000 women use to be able to charge guys directly to provide them with pornographic content. Basically, these guys pay a monthly fee for access to the site. And then some women can choose also to have premium content on the site where guys have to pay $100 or $200 for a particular video or picture. So what has become a thing recently is that popular uh, actresses or, you know, music artists will open an OnlyFans account and give guys the opportunity to see somebody really famous in these, you know, kind of pictures that they feel like they would uh, never see otherwise. Uh, a one recent example was Beyonce had a song with Megan Thee Stallion where she talked about maybe she should open an OnlyFans account and a whole bunch of guys went crazy online. So um, recently this past week, a woman named Bella Thorne, who is a, a actress who's been in some Disney movies and Alvin and the Chipmunks and a couple of other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So one of those, you know, like kid stars that you feel like would always be a clean content. She decided to join OnlyFans. Right. And she joined and made one million dollars in her first day, uh, broke the OnlyFans record. So she figured this was an opportunity to make some more money. And she said, hey, guys, uh, I've got this new picture of myself and I. If you pay $200, I'll allow you to see this picture. So, of course, there was a swarm of guys who had joined on the account who paid this $200 to get this picture and turned out she finessed them. It wasn't a new picture. It was one of them regular old Instagram pictures <laughs> that they could have easily seen. And a whole bunch of guys felt like they had gotten screwed over and they demanded a refund. Well, OnlyFans refunded their money, but to process those credit card payments, there's also you know, a processing fee. OnlyFans also had to pay all those processing fees, which meant that OnlyFans ended up having to pay a bunch of their own money to cover what Bella Thorne had done. Needless to say, they were really pissed about this. So they ended up changing the whole scale of how this website works. Used to be these women were paid once a week. OnlyFans has now changed this to once a month. Used to be that the women could decide for themselves what they were going to charge for premium content. Now OnlyFans has capped that price at $50. And let's be honest, most of the women, again, it's 450,000 women. So it's not like it's a small, and I keep saying women, there are some guys, but let's be honest, most of the uh, people on here are women. And I got to assume that most of them, you know, they're not, they're not former movie stars or actresses. These are women who are basically selling their bodies in order to try to make a living. They don't come from these prosperous backgrounds. So you have a woman who 
already was famous, already was well-to-do, and use this opportunity to finesse guys and make millions who has in turn destroyed the livelihood of hundreds of thousands of women who depend upon OnlyFans for their regular source of income. It is wild to, to see. The, the, there are people who are making it clear that they're absolutely devastated by what's going on. But I can tell by the look on Jason's face that he couldn't possibly care less. Why is that, brother? Why can't you have a little empathy for, for, <laughs> for the feedback? Maybe I'm old. Well, first of all, I let everybody know. Just, the first time I heard about this shit was 20 minutes before we started this recording. I didn't know nothing about this only shit. And when they told me about it in the five minute explanation of it, I thought it was the stupidest shit I ever heard in my fucking life. Like, like who, what fucking guys are out here buying? Who pays for a girl to get naked? And Jesus Christ, they're hookers. Like, you can get hookers and shit for less than that. <laughs> Porn is free. Porn is free. This shit is free. Pull up Red Tube. Pornhub. Nigga, that shit is free. <laughs> that, shit is, that shit is free. And who are these, And then you talk to them, and then you say it to it, and the thing that you explain that blows my mind, that these ain't even girls that's, that's like, known. These are just random chicks. Just random girls that's on here. And the only one that... You, <laughs> so you're going to pay a girl you ain't never met, you ain't never seen, except for in pictures. Like, man, I really want to see this girl naked. Ooh, she on this site well, where I want to... Well, I want to pay her fifty dollars so she can show me what she looked like next. Well, I, I will make a, a note though. Like one of the advantages of doing OnlyFans is that you can. My understanding is you can reach out directly to the girls and like make a specific type of request. So your thirsty, so you so thirsty ass <laughs> shit is online. It's not enough. You got Facebook. It ain't enough. You got Instagram. fucking ground. It's not enough. I need. I have to get in. Like, I, if I pay her, and maybe she'll do the things I want her to do. Is that what you're telling me? That's what this site is about. You can, oh my god! You can ask her, like, "Hey, can you take this particular type of picture, or you know, a picture of this particular?" Just get your thirsty ass down somewhere. What the? F- oh my god! I've literally been on Instagram for about a month. Maybe a month and a half. And the pictures I've seen of the majority of the girls that's on Instagram, they give you everything you need other than the naked. So you telling me you got to take this to the next... You you telling me you got to take this shit to the next extreme. It ain't enough to watch Red Box because you done seen Pinky Naked way too many times. It just don't get you no more. I didn't I didn't see I didn't see all these girls and shit on fucking on Pornhub and everything else naked for so long. I'm so desensitized. I need to see a regular chick naked. And not only do I need to see her naked, I need her to, I need to pay her so she can be in a certain position that I like. <laughs> Apparently, bro. <laughs> you need to kill your motherfucking self. I'm sorry. You need to just go ahead and walk your ass off a bridge, off the top of a house, bar your buddy's gun. It's it's <laughs> This ain't 92. This ain't 93. This ain't no struggle to find naked. It really ain't. Motherfuckers ain't sneaking into the porn shops no more. Fucking going into that back curtain and shit to buy porn and shit no more. This shit is free. 
It's with everywhere. The trench coat, <laughs> with the trench coat on. Right. Looking all shifty. Hey, I had bullshit and whatnot to mix it in, the pouring in between it. Like, I'm all, I need some uh, M&Ms and I need some oh, I need some, 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 some Slim Jims and shit. Oh, let me tuck these fucking porno tapes and shit in between here. <laughs> we live in a world of information now. The shit is free. It's free. Oh, you think oh, telling me, me let's second. not compare porn <laughs> to information. Uh, you know, I I hate making that distinction. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you can Google a porno style information, you couldn't do that back then. You had to see it to know what a porno star was. The only way you knew a porno star name back in the nineties is if they scrolled her name before she started fucking. That was the only way you knew her. Otherwise, she was just old girl with the big old booty. Going to the chat real quick. Uh, Jason, I don't have a way to call people in yet, but I will definitely be trying to set that up since apparently we have a very active chat about <laughs> giving people the ability to be able to call in every so often is definitely in the cards. Uh, Gwen, I don't know anything about an LGBTQ version of OnlyFans. I didn't know there was such that a thing. That shit is just as pathetic. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Gay porn is free, too. Okay? <laughs> Gay porn is free, too. It is. <laughs> I didn't know there was a gay version. Trans of it. porn is free. <laughs> Fucking lesbian porn is definitely free. Why are you paying for this? What are you doing? What are you doing? Keep your money. Go buy something nice for yourself. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, let me let me right. discuss the business aspect of this. Okay. I because I think I think Jason definitely covered <laughs> covered some of the personal aspects of this thing. But from a business we standpoint. We know that it's free. <laughs> from a business standpoint, look, I hate it when companies decide that they're going to change something just because they got hit with something, right? And now all of a sudden they want to change it, right? Say so they, they got enough people on there making enough money that they could have taken this hit. And they're not going to take the hit because they're going to sue her and get that money that they want back. I mean that that's what they're going to do. Right. So so they're not even gonna take this hit. Bottom line. So basically they're gonna impose these regulations and rules onto that needlessly, in my opinion. You know, I'm not there, I'm not looking at their books, I don't know, but but to me they're needlessly doing it, adding an extra layer of protection to their bottom line, you know, and, and screwing a whole bunch of other people over. You know. And I don't mind these girls going ahead and doing it because it's keeping them out of the job force, uh, the regular job force, which means that there's more jobs available to me out there and they're not, they're doing something. I'm not in that industry. So I don't have to worry about them 450,000 people if they making some good money off of it. I don't have to worry about them taking my job <laughs> somewhere else. So. Mr. Adonis, have you talked to your wife about it yet? Look here, I, you know, had this been, you know, back in back in 99, 2000, I may have would have had to had to do something about that, you know, but, you know, I may have mm-hmm. had to get on there and and uh, and uh, charge a little something, something for, but, you know, hey, I. Uh, I guess I'm too old for that now. Them days is long gone. Them days long gone. <laughs> Once again, 
once again. There's porn. What what happened to just going to being a porn star? I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I see women in porn that are brand new almost every day. So Yeah, but and you talking about this their livelihood. Is, like for real, this is what they right. do every day. This is how they pay okay, bills. Look. Here, I, I I don't understand it from the guy's perspective. I don't understand. Well, you know, okay, wait. I do understand a little bit in the sense that you have direct access to this girl that you find so, so fine, right? So you can give you can give direct ask, you know, based upon whatever financial amount you're willing to give up. But from the female perspective, it makes a hundred percent sense because you're in control of everything. If you're in porn, you have the some you have the directors. They're choosing who you work with. They're choosing all the sets and the things that you have to go through. And there's a ton of stories about women being systematically abused, raped, drugged out. Ron Jeremy is up on rape charges right now for 20 some odd women. Let's not pretend that he just started raping women now. Yeah, Ron Jeremy right, was a so, fucking creep since oh, day one. You just gotta look at him and know he was on some shit. That, Let's that not pretend he's the only creep. Shit. So by doing OnlyFans, these women are able to isolate themselves from all those Ron Jeremy's out there and basically have complete control over their own content. It makes 100% sense for the women. I just don't understand the perspective of the guys. What are you guys getting out of it? That's what I don't get. But from the women, it, it's safer. It gives them more power, more control. And frankly, they get way more money. I was looking at an a interview the other day with a chick named Selena Powell who's on it. Um, and she provided receipts to the guy who was interviewing her showing that she's making $50,000 a month off of this nonsense a month like come on now and if she and she just started this year on it how many porn stars you know that make five hundred thousand dollars that their first year doing porn not many most of them get fucked over for the first four or five years before they finally hit it big and develop enough in an audience where they can say no you got to really pay me you can't just force me to hold, do a whole bunch of crazy things for peanuts so <laughs> I know, I know. This is disturbing you greatly, brother, but it's facts and facts. My, my only <laughs> problem with the thing, and, and just thinking about it from the female's perspective, at this point, mm -hmm. now we're talking about, so is this is this the whole empowerment thing? Is that what this is about? Like, is that is this supposed to be like an empowerment situation? Where they're like, it's like you say, like they, they get to stay out of the creepy hands of the, of the old rapey white man as... <laughs> As Jason so eloquently put, and uh, like, okay, I so the whole argument about women being equal and all this other shit, feminist movement, all that, all this shit kind of throws all that bullshit out the door, right? Because at this point, wow. the only reason that this shit is better is so they're not abused by men. Now you can take sex and you can, you can do what you want to do with it, and I'm not sitting there advocating that you know I'm a champion against you know shit like that because. I watch porn. So I'm just trying to figure out like, so what does it, what is, it's putting money in their pockets. And so long as they get money on it, then it's what's best. Like this is, this is, this is what makes it okay. Look, and then the guys are the ones and whatnot who are investing in this are the fucking idiots in it. Look, we're not talking about what is morally right 
What is the Christian thing Obviously, to do? Because what is the ladylike thing to do? Like to me, that's a whole separate conversation. Mm. And even from a feminist standpoint, you know, f- feminism does not mean abstinence. It, oh, no. it, it does not mean you know, you know, puritanism. What I'm talking about, and what I mean is like when it comes to the whole Me Too movement, like everything about uh-huh. the Me Too movement was about men taking advantage of women trying to succeed. Right. So with this site, you eliminate the men, the women succeed, and it's okay. So, I mean, only to some degree, right? Because at the end of the day, OnlyFans is still a corporation. It's still run. By somebody I don't know. I've never, looked, advantage. I've never looked at the picture of their board, but I'm assuming it's probably a bunch of guys. And what are we talking about right now? Like Hudson just said, they experienced a situation. They could have just took the hit. Mm. All right. They're waking, they're making money hand over fist. They could have just took the hit and kept it moving. But instead, they're like, no, we refuse to have to spend even a dime more than we absolutely have to. And if we have to punish the 450,000 women who are creating content on this site in order to ensure we don't have to spend extra money, then that's what we're going to do. So doesn't eliminate that problem. No, but it does give these women significantly greater ownership over their content and what they have to experience compared to what the porn industry was doing to women in the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. Well, I'm glad I mean, he I'm glad Jason brought that up in that one, too, where he says like that, that that work that works against the whole toxic masculinity and rape culture. Like, I ain't even think about it on that one because, you know. Should just about I assume just about everybody that subscribes to this thing and whatnot they would be considered toxic mass males or whatever the case may be, because we're we're, we're getting random women to pose and do what we need them to do, except we're just not in the room with them doing it. It's just a virtual thing at this point, and they're well, paying for it, which makes it you know equitable. Well, here's the thing: we we keep. You know, America has a big problem with trying to, well, the world really has a big problem with trying to control women and their bodies. I mean, they have a huge problem with that. They continue to try to do it at every turn. And OnlyFans gives a chance for a woman to control her body and, and do what she wants on her on her own. I mean, she can, she can use a phone. She can use an iPhone. So she don't have to get a whole bunch of equipment, and even in the porn industry. I mean, look, look it, it's, it's male-dominated. You know, so it, it's it's to the point where OnlyFans at least gives them a chance at being an entrepreneur if that's what they're going to do, right? Um, mm. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, and at the end of the day, people are going to do what people are willing to pay for. And, and hey, Men and and let's not forget it's not just men; it's women on those sites who are paying to see women as well. It, it you know, I mean, we we talk about the thirsty men. There's thirsty women on there too, and they're doing it too. So, yeah. you know, at the end, if that's what they're Makes willing to pay for, you know, I I say power to them. You know, and I and I don't think, and I think just like anything, I don't think I don't think OnlyFans should should pass this hit on to them you know it's up to it's not their responsibility to to make sure that this bella thorne or or anyone like them doesn't take advantage of OnlyFans and or or whatever all right that's not their responsibility so Mm -hmm. to me it shouldn't be passed on to them 
And I don't think this is, I don't know. I think it's very unfair. I don't think they should have did it. And I think they're going to lose a lot of people uh, because of it. Because there's, I mean, there's other, there's, I believe there's other, you know, sites like it. And if there's not, there's somebody who's, options. there's going to be someone who comes along and takes advantage and says, hey, we're not going to do that to you. So I don't know. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if Jason realizes this, but Pornhub does have a premium version that some folks pay for. Yeah, <laughs> the whole video. <laughs> As opposed to the clip. I mean, shit, the clip isn't, why the clip ain't enough? I don't understand people that subscribe to that shit. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen Brazzers, uh, uh, I've seen their three-month subscription for a dollar. And I've never thought to just fuck around. Like, oh, let me pull the credit card out. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I get the clips for free. Thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> all right, that's all I need. I don't need to. I don't need the story. I don't need the background. I don't know. I don't want to know what pizza uh, company the guy came from when he tried to deliver the pizza and started getting his dicks up. I, I don't need. The, I don't need that. All I need is the clip of what I need. I'm good. Wow. Gwen said something about uh she said like the porn is all the same. So like this whole deal is basically for dudes who, who need something different. Go get a girl yeah. then. I mean shit. <laughs> I'm done. Almost I'm I'm done. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. <laughs> I want something different. I need a girl to do what I say. They're hookers and shit for that. You can fuck around and go anywhere on the west side find one of them. That's what I don't want to touch them. I just want to look at them. I mean, technically, Jesus. we could hey, technically don't, don't be disrespecting us over here on the west side. Technically, we could put some hey, of our content on OnlyFans. And uh, and you get some subscribers. <laughs> I mean, technically, we could do that. I mean, there's nothing that says it has to be pornographic. I mean, we could we could put it has to be Nick and Girl. It there's nothing that says hairy it's face be. Yeah, I think there are some people who sell art <laughs> and some other things on OnlyFans. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Stop and not even like. Pornographic art, just like regular old art. I don't know how I understand how that works. If you're looking to cool down, come on over here and look at some art. Don't throw me twenty dollars. I'll paint you something. That a bit. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic. <laughs> so it's part of trying to uh, figure out how to make our show better. I, I felt like it was important to start looking at what other people are doing, right? So I can get ideas and understand what works in this podcasting market. All three of us are completely new to us. This is the first show we've ever had, first time we've been hosting something like this. So we're all trying to, you know, get our bearings and figure out what's going to work and what doesn't work. So I've started watching the Joe Budden podcast on, on a regular basis. And the dialogue happening on that show right now is something that I personally find to be very inspiring. So Joe Budden signed an exclusive agreement with Spotify two years ago. And recently they offered him an eight-figure deal um, to re-sign with them. And he said no. And he said no because he has analyzed 
the analytics, looked at how many customers came to Spotify based specifically upon his channel and what he feels like he's doing for their brand and decided that in their eight figure deal that they presented undervalues what he's bringing to the co- to the company. And in response to that, Charlemagne the God took some time on, I think it was the Breakfast Club or, you know, he had so many little podcasts and things out, but he basically did an interview where he said that Joe Budden uh, is wrong for doing this. He's an idiot. He should have taken the money. And specifically what Charlemagne said was Joe Budden is comparing himself to Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons and other podcasters who have gotten nine-figure deals from Spotify to get exclusive rights. And what Charlemagne said is those people have networks. They have several different entities that all kind of come together, and then Spotify buys that block. Um, And he said Joe Budden is not presenting that, and therefore he should be satisfied with less. Joe Budden has basically come out swinging and said, what the hell do you know about ownership? You've been a radio DJ all your life. Mm. And I don't know if everybody's familiar with Charlemagne the God's history, but they were the radio station where he's at. They were at war, essentially, with another radio station in New York, Hot 9-7 or whatever. I can't remember. I think that's you know, he's not going live in New York. But whatever that little other radio station is, they basically destroyed them. And The Breakfast Club, the show that Charlemagne the God is on, has been number one in the country, in the country for 10 years straight. All right. Charlemagne the God doesn't own anything. He's not he has not used that position and and that that platform that he has to really create something for himself. He is essentially a worker. And what the point Joe Budden was basically making is, hey, I own this podcast. I own this piece of the market that I've essentially been able to carve out. Why would I allow another company to undervalue that and pay me peanuts while they reap millions? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And he's also like, when you when black people do things like this, when we essentially create the market, create the lane, and then allow somebody else to take it and beg for it back, beg for peanuts off of what you've already created, not only are you disrespecting and undervaluing yourself, but you're making it so much harder for the next people who come along. Mm. Like sooner or later, you have to set that standard and set that market and Basically, he was like, you got to stand against oppression. And one of the main things he said as well is read the room. Like black content is absolutely what's popping right now. It's absolutely what these companies need to use in order to draw in customers and draw in and draw in viewers. Like we are the culture. We are what's hot. And a lot of other things are basically springing off of what we do and therefore we should be paid accordingly at, but all too often we're not. And to me to just see him lay it out that way and to see him say, yo, 
folks need to start standing up <laughs> for for what they have and what they're really worth. It brought me back to, you know, we hear all the time about how in the 60s and 70s, you have all these black entertainers who basically died penniless, made a whole bunch of music executives millions of dollars. They never saw any of it because they were never about the business. They always just accepted whatever piece of paper was put in front of them. Well, my question and, it is, is just, well, how do you, how do you surpass that without, without creating your own infrastructure? Cause right now you're counting on Spotify to broadcast what you believe is more than what it's worth. And you're looking to make more money than what Spotify is planning on making. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. think that's an acceptable. I mean, it's, it's good reason because it's your show. It's your content. It's your, it's the work that you put in and which, what you believe that your show is worth. But if you're using someone else's infrastructure to broadcast that, how do you expect them to pay you more than what they should be getting? So, um, one, he doesn't expect them to pay more than what they would be getting. Mm -hmm. He feels like they're significantly undervaluing mm -hmm. him. They're basically paying him peanuts, knowing that they're going to be able to get hundreds of millions of dollars off of what he brings to the table. That shit must be nice. I want to know what eight figures feel like, because I figured I'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm undervaluing myself. I'm gonna tell you exactly what Joe Budden needs to do, and this this will solve all his problems. He needs to get an account on OnlyFans and go ahead and put his content on there, okay? And 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 let you get a monthly subscription, and then you can pay a premium for his full broadcast. Uh -huh. I think that solves all the problems right there. He don't need Spotify. <laughs> it's all straight, all good. Wow, but, but Jason, what you, what you said right there is is the argument is is an argument that they use on NBA players, on on NFL players, mm. on MLB players. You know, and 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 basically what it comes down to is that you know it, it's like. Why it almost sounds like why are they complaining? Because it, it's eight figures is a lot of money, and you're right, it is a lot mm -hmm. of money. But when we talk about those owners making the millions on top of millions on top of billions, not only off the show itself, but off of your personality, off of you, they're going to get more viewers. They're going to get more people wanting to put their podcasts on Spotify. They're going to they're going to be getting money left and right, up and down, all because he is on there. So he, there is no reason he shouldn't get a significant piece of that. And and I I think he's right. right. If you're making billions off of what I'm doing, I I, I damn sure better at least get a billion. If you're going to make 10 billion, I better get 3 billion, 2 to 3 billion off of it. You know, I be, I better get a significant chunk of that money if you're going to get that. And and I, you know, and I think and I think kudos to them because I don't think people attack the the folk they always look at the person asking for more but don't attack the person who's sitting there doing nothing taking right off the top every time taken right off the top every time. So let me uh, re respond to the chat real quick because it was mentioned that this sounds like uh, Monique versus Netflix. It's not. It's completely different. Um, Monique 
as far as I and and I'm on Monique's side in the Monique versus Netflix debate. <laughs> I do feel like she was purposefully undervalued. And I feel like she got a raw deal, especially, ironically, when she interviewed on The Breakfast Club. But the difference between Monique and Joe Budden is Monique can't really prove that she has this extra large audience that was going to flock to Netflix and watch her shows. She has a hardcore fan base of black women who love her. I question how large that fan base actually is. All right. And so when when. Do I feel like Netflix should have paid her more? Yes. Do I feel like she should have gotten Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle numbers? Hell no. I'm not. I'm not convinced of that at all. Joe Budden has like a top five podcast in the entire country. You can even look at his YouTube videos. His YouTube videos consistently do, you know, three hundred to four hundred thousand uh, views uh, per clip. All right. This is a person who very, very clearly has carved out a market for himself. So there's no question that there is true, real value in his podcast. Now, is this podcast worth more than the eight figures that Spotify was willing to offer in order to keep it? Only him and Spotify really know. Joe Budden is emphatic that, yes. Also, big difference between Joe Budden and Monique Monique was begging everybody to boycott Netflix. Monique was basically trying to get everybody to force Netflix to give her money. Joe Budden is finished. He says, I don't care what what, uh, Spotify offers me. At this point, I know how to treat their people. I'm gone. He's not trying to force Spotify to give him more money. He is all the way convinced, I know what I have. I know its value. I don't have to take any old deal. I don't feel comfortable with Spotify, so I'm going to just go somewhere else. So it's it's true independence, ownership, confidence. I'm good. I know what I have. Completely different from what Monique went through. And so I think that's an important distinction to make. Here's my thing about it, right? Let's say Spotify, I don't know the exact numbers. Let's say Spotify is going to offer me 10 million to to run this podcast, right? Now, what's it worth to me to make sure that I have complete say in what my podcast does or 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 what I say on it, the topics I choose, the point of views I stand for, the guests I want to bring on? How much is that worth? You know, so even if I don't make as much as Spotify offers, how much is it worth to me knowing that I'm still going to make millions to be able to completely control my content? How much is that worth to me? And I tell you, it's worth a a hell of a lot. It's worth a hell of a lot to me. And I I know a lot of people talk about it on principles and all that stuff. Well, that's a real thing. And if I get... to control every aspect mm-hmm. of my show and and it sacrifices some millions but i know i'm still gonna be hella comfortable <laughs> i think i i go that route mm-hmm. so he he might it's not worth it. he might not make as much i don't know the exact terms of the offer or how much it exactly was but it it you know just having that peace of mind that i'm not gonna have anybody in my studio trying to suggest to me 
that I need to have this guest on or I need to have this topic, that's a big deal for me. I, I don't know about you guys, but that'd be a big deal for me too. Okay, folks, I want to take a second to turn our attention to our Black-owned business of the week. This week, we want to put the spotlight on Shapopin Gourmet Popcorn Shop. Like I've said before, the men of SJH Man Cave are not small fellows, so we're always on the lookout for some snacks. Mm. And if you're like us, sometimes you want a snack that's delicious and guilt-free. Popcorn is obviously a perfect choice. And in Chicago, people are willing to line up around the block for some great popcorn. Trust me when I tell you that Shapopin is worth lining up for. For the past 24 years, Shapopin has been researching and testing numerous flavor combinations and our reward for those tireless efforts and over 40 unique flavors that will pretty much guarantee that you won't get tired of the popcorn anytime soon. If you've been there before, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're going for the first time, try their homemade caramel mixed with extreme cheddar. If you're taking the family, add in some of their salt and vinegar or the Memphis cheddar. So if you're planning a movie night or just looking to grab a snack, head out to 10352 Roosevelt Road. Keep in mind, their adjusted COVID hours are Thursday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, and so you don't hold up the line when you get there. I encourage you to take a look at their menu at www.shah-poppingrmenupopcorn.com and decide what you want ahead of time. Place your order on their website so we can keep the line moving. You can also hit the contact button to leave them a message and let them know how you're doing. You can also show them some love on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Shapapa. But if you're old school like me, just give them a call toll free at 877-742-7671. So, Jason, you said their popcorn is uh, really good. Dude. Like, I like the popcorn. Like, okay, so you know how you can go anywhere in Chicago and you can get you some cheddar and some caramel. So they just, they they mix the two, like, to the nth degree. Like, I got a little bag of this joint, and I I, I had to go back up and get me another bag because it was fine. I had, I love me some cheddar and some, some caramel, but when you mix the two and whatnot, it's, it's something incredible. And one of the other things, like, I wish I had the menu with me, uh, like they have like a lot like uh, Sean Michelle's, but uh, they have uh, a lot of different flavored ice creams. And what's cool is is like they make like flavors from their from their like ice cream cones. They use like waffle cones, and they flavor mm-hmm. those as well. So like when I went the first time I went, like my wife and the kids they went up there one time and they put me on to it. I went up there first of all. Number one, I love the service. The, even during the COVID and whatnot, just like Sean Michelle's, you had a brother who came out, young brother. I couldn't, I didn't get his name. Young brother that works in the shop and whatnot, he came out, you know what I'm saying? He, I let him know it was my first time there. He ran the menu down to me. He let me know what was going on because of the COVID, like all the flavors weren't offered at the time, but they are doing different things. And there are times where you can come back and you can get those certain flavors that you want to try. So I love the customer service. They was, they were, my man, the one that he treated me like a king. I, I I was I was kind of up in the air about some of the ice cream, but one of them that I tried was called uh, Tennessee Toffee, and I swear mm-hmm. for Lord, I don't know this for sure, 
but I think it's some whiskey in it or something like this. It's the whiskey in that topic. Because <laughs> I tried that ice cream and I was eating it. I was getting a little tipsy a little bit one night while I was eating it. Maybe because I'm fat, maybe I was eating something with sugar in it. I don't know. But it was good. Like the flavors and stuff mm. that they got there, like they could say what they have, like the, the salt and vinegar and the Memphis cheddar. They got crazy fucking, like you can get, I think they even have like a macaroni like a baked macaroni flavor one that they put on their popcorn. They got all kinds of little crazy little flavors. It's, the place is hot. I loved it. I saw their menu and uh, they got they got uh, like ribs, you know, rib flavored uh, popcorn. They they got any any food that you can think of, like cheeseburger <laughs> flavored popcorn. Any food that you can think of that you eat. But they they got like a flavor of popcorn for it. I don't know if they offer each flavor all the time like Jason talked about, but you know, I, I do know they, they've come up with a lot of flavors over the years. I'm even interested in trying their 20. They have a 24-karat gold popcorn flavor, caramel popcorn. Like, I, I've seen, like, them food shows where they have, they put the gold flake on stuff and whatnot. I'm interested to know what gold popcorn tastes like. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, I might have to give that a try. Nice. It seems like the chat agrees that uh, it's a place worth checking out as well. That's awesome. Okay. All right, brothers. Um, I feel like we're coming up to the uh, towards the end of the show. So, you know me, I always want to end on the same topic, the Bears and what's going on with them. I didn't hear any uh, recent news. We got any more developments on the trials and tribulations of Trubisky? Man. Any closer to securing that starting job? They ain't got no choice but to start they don't have no choice because they don't have a frame of reference to take the job away from him other than practice. You have to let him go out there and play that first game and you have to prove it's going to have to be the same situation that Nick Foles has been in. Is either he going to have to get hurt or he going to have to fuck up enough and whatnot to get pulled out the game. Plain and simple. You're not going to be able to judge nothing from his practices. You're just not. I mean, you, you, can, you can judge mechanics because I think that's one of the big things that a lot of people have been talking about is like his bad be his bad mechanics and whatnot haven't changed from time to time. But but according to the coaches, you know, it's this toss-up and whatnot. So apparently he's been working on that a little bit more and then he's been working on his accuracy and everything else. But, you know. You know, I mean, I don't uh, – I don't think I, – I wouldn't want to – I would – I'd want him to start for the simple fact that, that I mean, like Jason said – you know, we got uh, we got a decision to make at the end of the year. Are we keeping him? Are we extending his contract, or aren't we? And we need to be for sure about that. So, I mean, uh, like you said, after after some padded practices or some, you know, especially not having a full camp. I mean, I hate to I hate to make a decision off of off of him not playing any games or or being involved in any games. So plus. I just I just don't think Nick Foles is is in the long term or even in the short term is any kind of answer. So for me, it's like just just send Trubisky out there. You know, what, I mean, what are we going to lose because we ain't going to win a championship this year with either one of them? So I say, what hey. are we going to lose? <laughs> hey, I'm just being realistic. We're not winning a championship with either one of them. That kind of talk will not be tolerated on this show, sir. Well, I did it. Every year is a potential championship year. What? <laughs> every year is a potential championship year. Every every okay. year is a potential that I'll make the team. Absolutely. 
But, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, what's the, what's the real chances, you know? So I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. I say, why not get a kid another chance at it? Let him go out full pads, full, you know, just full run. Let him do his thing. And let's, let's let him do his thing and give him all the weapons. Don't, don't. Bots some into this specific. He seemed so botched in this year, last year, and we didn't oh use God. Cohen. We didn't use, you know, we didn't use anywhere near the weapons we used the previous year. Look, I'm a, I, I'm completely <laughs> on the other side of the fence. Sit Trubisky's ass down permanently. We already know he's garbage. I don't understand the purpose of giving him another go round. That's number one. Yes, he was boxed in last year. Other years, he, he's had uh, opportunities with weapons to prove he could throw down field and really air it out. And he showed that his decision making is horrible. Flat out. You can put as many weapons around him as you want. You can have a great system. But if the quarterback doesn't know how to make competent decisions, it doesn't really matter. And I do not trust Trubisky's decision making. Sit him down, let Foles in. What again? What is the worst that could possibly happen? You say it's not a championship year. Well, maybe Foles can do something with it because I at least feel like he's a competent decision maker. I bet you Cole uh, will <laughs> at least be stable back there right. and not just causing us to throw our arms up in an uproar every freaking. Damn. Here's Come the on. catch twenty two. What is, what is the you got? You got to think of this from the standpoint of the coach and the general manager, right? So they sit Trubisky. They don't let they don't let him start no games, and they put Nick Foles in. Let's say Nick Foles, he has an okay season. They go, you know, maybe eight and eight or nine or seven, right? Let's say let's say hey, they even okay. go ten and six, right? Now let's say and they decide, hey. Sometime mm-hmm. in the middle of the year or next year, they can Trubinsky, they get rid of him. Now, let's say Trubinsky does what I think Jason said it last week is something we were talking about. What if he go over there and become a pro bowler and start and start airing it out? Now <laughs> we're looking at them. Why didn't y'all at least let him play last year and see what you know he may have been doing, right? As opposed to let him start <laughs> now on the other side of it. Let's just say they put Trubisky in and he sucks the entire year. They go five and five and 11, right? And they totally, they totally bomb. They're going to be looking for, again, we're going to be looking for the coach. We're going to be looking for, you know, the general manager, like y'all got to go. Y'all not cutting it, right? So again, it's the other side. But if you let mm-hmm. Trubisky start for the first few games, he screws up, and then you bring Nick Foles in. It looks like, hey, we got evidence that he screwed up, so we brought Foles in. So now even if Foles screws up and doesn't do any better, at least it looks like they did something, and they might have a chance at keeping their jobs next year. So you got to look at it from their perspective. If they just make a cut-and-dry decision, you know, it, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to go well for them. And, and if they give up Trubisky next year and he becomes an all-star and they didn't even give him a chance this year, you know, that, that again, that's going to gonna be looking at him like, oh, come on now. It's just like you passed up on Mahomes. 
You know, you passed up on Mahomes for this kid. Now this kid's an all-star and you let him go. Which one is it? What's up with (laughs) y'all? You know, bad decision after bad decision. So they got to let him start in order to even have a chance of keeping their jobs after this year coming up. That's my thought. I was just about to say, the only way you really save face at this point and whatnot is for him to succeed. You really should be putting all your chips into this dude. You basically should have been spending the entire offseason and whatnot working on this kid's brain and his fundamentals. Because apparently his fundamentals are just completely fucked. And that's that, and that's part of the bad decision-making and whatnot. When you out there and you playing any old way, and yeah, because you've seen, you've seen small little glimpses of what he could be if he fucked around and he just dedicated himself to, to fixing them fuck-ups he does and whatnot. And I think that's right. any fucking quarterback. And, it, and the only way he'd be able to do that is if he recognizes what issues he's having. Not only that, the coaches need to recognize that shit too and inform him to fixing that shit. And I think that's a big problem because it doesn't look like the coaches are recognizing what the problem is. We saw this shit we was out there in Bourbon A. <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. We sat out there last year and was looking like, what, who the fuck is he throwing the ball to? <laughs> so, I mean, shit, this is like, when you got obvious things like that and you tell somebody that, you know, we only use in four plays or we we oh, we go open up the pay, playbook and whatnot for Mitch and shit. Like, I mean, that, that only, not only does that, not only does that make you look like an idiot as a coach and, and fucking owner, whatever the case may be, but you make this kid look like a complete piece of garbage at that point. So, it, it, uh, if all you're going to do is hinder this kid and you putting all your chips in and you're just saying, okay, we're going to roll with Nick Foles and whatnot, I think you lose your job anyway, no matter what, what your team does. Because at this point, the only thing that Nick Foles is proving is he can come off the bitch and win. And that's just about it. I haven't seen him and done anything yet. Do either one of you want the Bears to go after what's the running back who no, was available? Like, please don't say Leonard Fournette. He already went to Buck. Yeah. Right, right. I know. But did you want the Bears to try to pursue him? What for? We we need somebody else that we're going to pay that's on IR and shit the majority of the time? Then the whole thing is been in the league, he's been hurt. <laughs> so why are, we, why are we so eager to go get busted fucking running backs and shit? I don't understand. What What is he going to do? What difference is he going to make? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and it's not the kind of offense that we run. He's a heavy back. All they did down there in fucking uh, Jacksonville and shit is run fucking power sets, which fucking was, got him broke up in the first place. He wasn't even as big as he was when he was in college. When he got to the league mm-hmm. and shit, he had to swell up because they was running his ass up the middle all the damn time. So he was getting his ass beat mm-hmm. to death. And you're going to bring him on to this fucking aerial fucking show that the Bears are trying to produce. Where you have backs and shit that should be in the backfield being able to catch the ball. What the fuck he gonna do out there on the outside by himself? What he gonna do? He gonna be looking for people to hit him. I gotta go hit somebody. Like, no, motherfucker, you over, run, go. He doesn't he didn't fit the scheme. So no, don't go get him. Plus, why would you wanna pay somebody that's gonna be hurt the majority of the time? The kid the boy is on his last legs at this point. And I don't know maybe Tom Brady can save up his career. Maybe he'll be the next uh uh, what was that cat? What not the time? Corey Dillon. Not not Corey Dillon. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, the last couple Super Bowls. His last name was Falk. Buddy, you wouldn't even know Buddy. It wasn't that if you saw him in a bar. 
But every Patriot know Falk and shit because dude scored. I think he scored like the winning touchdown in that Super Bowl against the Falcons. And Buddy mm-hmm. had been on the team for about seven, eight years. He wasn't. He was the feature back for maybe the first two or three years. After that, they was bringing in Sony Michelle and all these other damn people. But Falk was a constant. He never got hurt, and he scored touchdowns. He could catch the ball out the backfield. They had him spread out wide the majority of the time. You can't do that shit with Leonard, Leonard, uh, with, with uh, Fortnite. You can't do shit with him in the offense we run it because we basically run that type of offense. Reason they got rid of Jordan Howard. He's basically a co- carbon copy of Jordan. So why would you bring that back? And how would you explain why you got rid of Jordan? We got we did Howard bogus. I did not appreciate the way we treated that brother. He was just like Greg Olson. He he was he was a he was a fucking he 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 was executed by the offense that was being run at the time. Mike Martz needed blocking tight ends. That's why we traded Greg Olson because Greg Olson wasn't a blocker. He was a receiver. He could run routes. And, he scored touchdowns. And now he's and now he's a freaking Hall of Famer. He won't be no first ballot. He, he's a Super Bowl. I ain't done. I ain't done talking about Trubisky yet. Look, (laughs) Trubisky is like it's like Rocky Balboa. That's who Trubisky is. Uh, But Rocky Balboa in real life would not have beaten Apollo Creed. Rocky Balboa in real life would not even even gotten a title shot. Rocky Balboa would have been like a fighter who is like 25 and 24 with with a, a, a bunch of knockouts, uh, you know, a bunch of draws or whatever, right? That's who Rocky Balboa in real life would have been. Rocky Balboa has a puncher's chance. So he wins, you know, half of the time, but he's got – Rocky Balboa was not a boxer. He was a brawler. This is what Trubisky is. He is not a quarterback. But he can, he can throw the ball. He can gun it downfield. So every once in a while – He's going to get a good throw in there and he's going to look fantastic. And that's what, and he's going to do it off his back foot running eight steps towards the sideline or whatever. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't have the mechanics. He doesn't have the, but the Bears, they put themselves in the situation. They can't let him go. He's our Rocky Balboa right now, you know, so hopefully, hopefully for his sake. He can knock out Apollo Creed this year, you know, because you remember, hey, you remember, Rocky did not win the first fight. He lost that first fight to Apollo. So maybe we can consider this the second fight, and maybe, maybe he comes back and he wins this time. You know, I'm just saying. Are you comparing Mr. Biscuit to to Rocky Balboa? (laughs) Has he reached the Rocky Balboa stage? Jesus. I I didn't didn't think he was that bad, but damn. (laughs) Rock on. (laughs) Gwen said Apollo never stood a chance. Right. (laughs) That's because it was written in the script. That's why. (laughs) script for this Mr. Bisky thing. One last uh, football-related question. Kirk Cousins apparently believes in survival of the fittest. I don't know if you all saw his recent comments regarding COVID. Oh, really? Oh, um, somebody said it, finally. Oh. Um, 
He said specifically, if I die, I die in relation to COVID. Uh, <laughs> he said what I was trying to say back then, admittedly, um, that I would echo again is that while the virus does not give me a great amount of personal fear, there's still great reason for me to engage in wearing a mask and social distancing. But if I were to test positive, if I die, I die. And that he basically believes in survival of the, the uh, fittest. So uh, I wasn't sure if you all saw those comments. <laughs> had, any, had any thoughts on them? <laughs> me, personally, I feel like that's what most of these folks that, that actually argue about this whole COVID thing would say. Because that's what I mm-hmm. get out of most of these arguments, especially the ones where they like uh, these last little recent ones where they say like only 0.02% of people with underlying, uh, you know, underlying sicknesses or whatever are the ones who are basically dying. And I've seen people say, fucking open up the state, take the mask off. Like, wow. Okay. Well, I guess that 0.02 don't mean shit, huh? Fuck them. They but die, they the die. Thing. But here's that's, the thing. That's mm-hmm. Drago shit. I can expect that from a person in good shape, you know, eating right, you know, working out, you know, I I can't expect to hear something like that from them. But, you know, a lot of these people, let's be honest, that's up there saying, you know, uh, open up the state. A lot of these people are, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let's just say they're the exact opposite of what I just described. So... (laughs) For them to think survival of the fittest, <laughs> I, I just don't, I, I mean, I, I just don't see how they would think that they're on the top of that food chain at all. So <laughs> I guess I'd be a little confused at their reasoning on yeah. that. <laughs> uh, to be clear, too, though, it's not like he uh, believes that no matter what, he'd he'd survive it. You know, he said, if I die, I'm I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> that's, ain't got much that's what his words were out of Minnesota. I don't know. Shit. Maybe, maybe send him Minnesota sucks. <laughs> shit. That's that's you know, an interesting statement just to be like, you know, if I die, you know, it is what it is. Like, I no, no, don't don't want it to be is what it is. No. If this I is preventable. It's easy to say, here, you know, until you're actually faced said, with it. <laughs> Right, exactly. They asked him on a scale of one to ten, uh, how afraid was he of getting the virus, and he said, point oh 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 one. And he said, for me personally, just talking, no one else can get the virus. What is your concern if you can get it? I would say I'm going to go about my daily life. If I get it, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to let nature do its course. Survival of the fittest kind of approach, and just say if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. I'm going to be okay. You know, even if I die, if I die, I die. I kind of have a peace about that. Somebody might want to check his ass for a concussion or some shit. Because that, <laughs> that, that zero, zero, but they, what? What? Shut, shut the fuck up, dude. Just say, no, I'm not worried and going about your damn bit. I have problems with people who say too much shit. Some stuff you just don't need to fucking. I have a point zero oh oh oh. oh. Shut shut up, Kirk. Just say yes or no. Plain and simple. <laughs> Stop making yourself look like a fucking simpleton. Somebody need to check his ass for a concussion. 
Look here, I would I would think Yo. that if if you're if you're <laughs> Kirk Cousins, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, but he was quarterback for the Vikings, right? Is basically his career, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, know, yeah, to be honest, he used to be quarterback for the Redskins. Yeah, you know when you. Uh, I'm sorry for Washington for the Washington. Team. I got <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> You know, I gotta think that that to be a quarterback, you gotta have some very some very um some very interesting views on the world to have that kind of, to be an NFL quarterback and, and to, you know, sometimes to, I've heard that some of these guys can be very um, Viking ish in some of their viewpoints on things, you know, and I guess it comes with the territory <laughs> of saying you're going to lead these 300, 400 pound gargantuans out to victory every day you got to kind of have i guess a, a a life or death i don't care how many people coming at me about to hit me i'm about to bomb this throw 40 yards down the field right now you know <laughs> i mean i guess you got to kind of have some of that in you you know maybe trubisky don't have none of that maybe that's the problem maybe trubisky sitting there like i sure don't want to die from this covid and and he playing timid out there, and he ain't doing. Maybe we need some of that in Trubinsky right now. Ask him what he think about this COVID. That's what I say. Ass <laughs> <laughs> comments though, like if he gonna come out to look, it, it's okay to be savage like that because you going on the football field. But he make it sound like he playing on dying on the field. Like if you go with that line of reason, like he plan on having his head knocked off by a fucking lineman or some shit like that. Like, no, no right. you're going home. You're just going to have a concussion. I think you need to go get that check. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm sorry, fellas. There's actually one more question okay. that I need to ask. Thank you so much, Jason Henderson, for reminding me of this. Uh, going back to Bears-related news, Erlacher has made a fucking fool yeah, of himself and put some statements out on Instagram that he really shouldn't have said. To reiterate, and this uh, statement is in relation to the protest happening out in Kenosha after a black man was shot in the back seven times by the police, paralyzed from the waist down, possibly permanently. By the way, the police have already vacated all of the warrants against this brother. So it's not clear if he's if even the things he was accused of doing, if he actually did them. Just want to throw that out there. But anyway, Erlacher decided that the world really needed to know what he thought about all of this and posted on Instagram. Uh, Brett Favre played the Monday night football game the day his dad died threw four touchdowns in the first half and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. And then he followed up that Instagram statement with NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by the police. Uh, Again, Erlacher put this out on his personal Instagram page the team has already distanced themselves from the comments. And he, of course, has called plenty of negative flack from other Chicago media. Brothers, did you uh, notice that it seems like, Jason, you already knew (laughs) knew about this. Any, you know, for those, we might have a few listeners who are not in Chicago, all right? For those of you outside of Chicago, 
Erlacher is, is, is deeply appreciated, possibly even loved for his time in Chicago, even though he was never able to seal the deal and came up short in several areas, preventing us from ever having a Super Bowl. He, he played well, and he was a warrior out there for a very long time. So he was looked at in a positive fashion by most of the black community that actually cares about football this definitely damages his brand. Just in case people thought, well, maybe only white folks cared about Erlacher. That ain't really true. Black folks supported Erlacher as well. <laughs> I, you know what was good about Erlacher when he played? He shut the hmm. fuck up. He ain't say nothing. <laughs> he didn't make a comment that it would be about some football shit or it'd be about a play or some shit that he did in the game. The problem is retirement, and it gives these motherfuckers too much time to look at the news and watch shit, and they should really just shut the fuck up. They really Mike Dicker. Oh fuck! <laughs> I would, I honestly, in the grand scheme, I would expect some shit like that from Mike Dicker, just because off of who he is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's been an asshole and shit his whole life. So mm-hmm. I mean, I would expect that from Dicker. You did you how many how many quotes can you really think about Brian Erlacher putting out there the entire 13 or 12, 13 years he played for the Bears? I can't think of one. Not one. Not one quote, not one thing he said. Only thing I remember the most about that brother, he was holding up the Hallis trophy and shit when they won that NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Pictures of him just on the field, or he'd have ran from sideline to sideline. The problem is is retirement. They need to fuck. They, they need to check these dudes' brains. The man, he, he went and got some hair from, from something. They they put some hair on his head. He let the shit grow in. The boy... <laughs> I, don't I don't understand. I don't understand how you even... How do you... How do you... How do you... I don't... How do you compare the both the situations? Why, what even made you think about Brett Favre? <laughs> Way back, <laughs> and that wasn't even the game you played in. They played the Raiders. What made you pull Brett Favre out of left field to make some, some statement? And I bet you, while he was typing that shit, he thought he was saying some some. He was dropping some knowledge, boy. The mic drop. <laughs> I bet you he he was about to covet. He's boy, stupid ass down somewhere. Saying it's stupid. <laughs> Tweet them all tweets right Dropping gems on them right now, y'all. <laughs> How do you even compare the two situations? Did Brett Favre pops get blown the fuck away or something? Is it something I don't know? I heard he died of a heart attack. <laughs> what, what happened? He out there moving the sky and the police mistook him for a burglar and they blew him away? Is that what happened to Brett Favre pops? And he just said, fuck it, I'm about to throw these five touchdowns. It's going down for my daddy. Is that what happened? I don't know. I got to go back. And, I got to Google that shit. I don't know, how do you even correlate that shit? <laughs> you just thought about the worst thing that ever happened when you playing football, and you was like, oh, yeah, I remember that time Brett Favre played. No, dog, you think too much. <laughs> Here's what we gotta remember about Erlacher, okay? Uh, Erlacher is a is a white guy who made a career off of hitting black guys multiple times 
during each and every game. Okay, <laughs> that was his career. Okay, you know he he hit a lot of black guys. That was his thing. That's what he enjoyed. That was the game, right? And and I guarantee you, if if you look at his tackles, if you look at his sacks, I I can guarantee you his rate was higher on both when he was tackling or sacking a black guy. Now, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to trump this because I'm not going to go and look up these statistics. I'm going to allow you all, the people, to look up these statistics. But I'm going to guarantee you that his numbers were much better when there was a black person across from him on that field than when it was any other race. Okay? Or like a... He needs to come out with an apology ASAP and walk these comments back. <laughs> Stop asking these people for apologies, Samori. No. They need to shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> Don't say nothing else. Shut up. Go sit the fuck I need. Somewhere. I need some acknowledgement that you understand what you did was wrong. If you just stay quiet, it makes me feel like you really believe everything you said was okay. But you're being quiet because you're getting backlash. I need to know that you've heard the backlash, you've analyzed it, and come to the conclusion that they are right to to be saying these things to you, and that you're going to be different in the future. You're giving him too much credit. <laughs> I'm already thinking that? too much. That's why he just said that stupid shit. <laughs> who was who was that NFL quarterback who who said that stuff? Was it Drew Brees? Did did we accept Drew Brees's? Uh, yeah. <laughs> did we accept his oh little uh, his little uh, <laughs> comeback when he uh, when he took a step back and said, "Wait, now that I now that I reviewed everything and and checked this out, wait, now I understand what these protests are about." Because I, I, you know, so I don't think it mattered that he took a step back on it. I don't think it mattered if Erlacher did. But I think, I think didn't he said he apologized to his team. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, Breeze. Yeah. Breeze, yeah, something like Breeze, that. Yeah. Breeze, yeah. Breeze apologized to his team. People. <laughs> he talking to niggas in the locker room. My bad. I ain't mean to say that stupid shit, y'all. Let's go play ball. Please block you know. me. That's what he said. Yeah, pretty much. You know. I put Breeze in a little different category because Breeze does have a strong record of, you know, being – being active and being an ally, right? So what he did was definitely wrong. He needed to apologize and acknowledge the pain, but I'm not really on the cancel breeze type of mindset right now. Whereas I'm all the way, <laughs> I've all the way flipped on Erlacher. Hey, Lack already got his golden jacket. He don't care. That's probably why. Right. Fuck See, you, I'm already right. in the Hall of Fame. What can you do to me? Right. Obviously, Erlacher. And and Omari Hardwick have the same PR person who is who is either on vacation or or just if they good at their job because they they need to stop these guys from talking. They just keep talking and saying stuff. They need to that, that PR guy needs to get them both in the room and say, "Look, guys, just 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 shut up until you talk to me first <laughs> before you say a word." Let me do my job. You <laughs> oh, say his PR wow. person the same what Chris Brown got and shit. Probably <laughs> you not be working. Like, you're, not, you're not doing a good job, bro. 
You got you gotta you gotta get a cap on these dudes. They they need attention for some reason. You gotta send some girls to their house or something. <laughs> awesome. All right, brothers, let's go ahead and close this out. Um, I want to thank all of you for joining us here at SJH Man Cave. We appreciate you spending time with us today. I'd like to give a special thanks to Shapop and Popcorn for helping people across the country enjoy their popcorn and have wonderful snacks. Let's support our black businesses, y'all. Once again, if you are a black business owner and would like to get featured as our business of the week, please make sure to send an email to info at sjhmancave.com. Any of our listeners can get a hold of us there as well. Remember that you can hear this and other episodes on all your major podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube at SJH Man Cave. Once you're there, please hit that subscribe button, like, and leave a comment. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook at SJH Podcast Family. I would like to thank my two fellow podcasters, Jason and Hudson, for keeping it real. Until next time, this is your host, Samori, signing off. Peace out. Deuces. Deuces. Appreciate everybody live on Facebook. Appreciate everyone who posted in the chat. First live. The love is, yeah, this is the first time we've done this, and I think it went very, very well. So thank you all for helping to make it successful. Uh, we do plan to be back next week. Um, it's supposed to be 10 p.m., but, you know, you know how it goes. We got kids. We try to lay to sleep. We, to make it we, work. Recording. we got jobs. So, you know, somewhere around 10 o'clock, we'll all be able to come together and do this again. And hopefully we'll see you all then. Until next time, take Oops. care. Right.